You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome, welcome to the Smoking Word. What's up, what's up, everybody? We are back with another one. The Smoking Word Podcast is brought to you and always brought to you by CasaTheRock.com. That's my house of merch. Everything is done by your boy. If you want to support the movement, go to CasaTheRock.com and cop some merch. We have a lot of stuff. We got brand new hoodies. We got some limited edition camo caps left, so get that. And we're dropping a lot of exclusive stuff for the holidays. So make sure you keep going back and checking it out. And also, you can catch, you can follow me on at on Instagram at HoyaRock357. I keep you up to date with everything smoking word, everything Madball, everything Casa the Rock. And you motherfuckers been asking for it. You wanted it on Spotify, I gave it to you on Spotify. You want it on Apple Music, you got it on Apple Music. And look out for our YouTube channel. It's up right now, but we're going to be dropping some exclusive stuff for all you people out there to kill time with us. But um, make sure you subscribe and support the podcast. If you want it, supporting is not just listening. You've got to subscribe. you got to rate it. And you gotta you gotta spread the word. We gotta let the planet know that this hardcore world ain't to be fucked with. But today, a very special guest, an old friend, the Vox behind Ignite and a bunch of other bands you'll hear about. My bro, Zoli Teglas. Let's set this off. Sweet mustache you got there, looking really Hungarian now. I you like know, it. Tom Selleck. Yeah, you got a lot of Tom Selleck going on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I had mine, I used to call myself Brown Selleck. But that's another story. <laughs> What's going on, sucker? What's up, brother? How you doing, man? No, I'm I got fine. my I dressed yeah. up nice. Look at that. I got my shirt I like on. I, got... I like that. I hope you get, don't I don't stand up though because I know you like um doing these things in your banana hammock. Oh uh, no pants, no pants. I don't wear pants. But I'm glad you you learned there's a thing called technology and with these, <laughs> you know, email. There's a thing called email and television. <laughs> you know, pretty soon hungry is gonna be blossoming. Forget it. <laughs> when you bring all these treats from the gods, from the Western gods back home. It's uh it's magic. It's this weird box that has uh <laughs> Where I beg people to like me. I love I love technology. Begging Yo. people to go, oh my God, you're eating lunch. You're like, so wow, cool. how the hell are you getting this little box? <laughs> you're like, oh, how you you gypsies put like Borat says, oh you gypsies put me in this little box. <laughs> what you've been up to besides cleaning pelican shit. We'll get into that too. Well, first off, I want to apologize to all your fans that listen to your show. This is gonna be the most boring podcast. You should turn it off now. Oh no! Very upset. They linked in. There's no way because I want to talk about my first experience with a Caucasian (laughs) man, like my real, you know, first experience. But um, (laughs) what you been up to? Like, but what's the deal? You're working now. What you doing for work right now? We're we're gonna get into the new band and all that other shit. But what 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 have you been doing for money? Say yes is what you do when you know when you're a musician. I came home as. 
It's for all you people who want to be musicians out there. Came 1994. I worked on a an album. We worked. We recorded like 48 hours um, in, in Germany. I came home. I had the CD in my hand. I give it to my dad. He's California. He's like, I go, Dad, my first CD. And he goes, Oh, you want to be a musician, huh? I goes, Good way to stay broke, son. Puts a CD down. Puts his beer on it. Keeps watching TV. And he was right. <laughs> So what I've been doing for work is saying, yes, we went up north to help the, uh, cut these fire lines and cut down all the, the, the high scrub brush and stuff to make fire lines to, for, for, for Cal Fire. I said yes to that. I said yes to, I mean, I'll do anything, anything. So I, after every single day, I just say, yeah, I'll work on people's cars, whatever it is, man. I've been doing a lot of mental health stuff because I my uh, mental health background. Um, no, you have a mentally ill background. That's right. That's, that's right. That's right. But that's what, right. You, what you've been doing with that? What, what exactly with, with, with that? What exactly you do with that? Oh, uh, let me tell you, Hoya. You know, my grandfather, my my great grandfather. Sorry, he um, Bilal, Bilal, <laughs> Bilal Lugosi. In uh, World War One, he was born in the late eighteen hundreds, and he was like went to went to war, World War One, on the front lines, on the trenches, right with Hungarians. So I guess we were fighting the Italians then. And he lost, it was like 14 kids in the 15 kids in the family. He lost 12 brothers in one bombing because they put the families next to each other before they started making the, the trenches like this. And one bomb came in and it just wiped out the whole line. And, uh, killed 12. Uh. and, and he stayed four years on the front lines, comes back to Hungary. Dude, I, I, this is the craziest thing, bro. I had that's his. Crazy. I have his World War I dagger right here. Oh, that's hard. Gnarly. Comes yeah. back to Hungary, uh, starts a company, gets called into World War II. Now he's on the on the Russian front. Gets picked up by the Russians after four years of war. Sent to the Gulags. Eight years later, comes home, starts up the company again. Gets married, dies from walking pneumonia, like eighty-seven years old. Let's cut to the chase to now, cause that was the men then. Okay. Oh, right? forget it now. They won't last. <laughs> No, it's like that. You know, people got called to go to war on the other side of America, right? Now people are getting called to their couch to watch Netflix, and everyone's having a fucking nervous breakdown, dude. Besides people getting hurt and not traveling and stuff, and having more difficulties financially and everything, for me, COVID has been a blessing because it's slowed everything down, and I've gotten to focus on the important things. And it's not, dude, so bad, and so. I, I, I work a lot with kids going through hard times mentally or drug addicts and this and that. I've been working with Music Cares for a long time and, and different uh, mental health facilities for the last 20 years. And so I, I'm on the phone like seven hours a day with families calling me to talk to kids off the ledge. You know, they pay. That's another way. I, income, income for me, please. And I'm, I'm, and I'm just on the phone with these kids going, hey, man, it's going to be all right. It's not going to be OK. It fucking is OK. Right? Yeah. And it's like these people are falling apart, man. And, and you know, I get a little worried too, but either you're going to have faith, or you're going to have fear, which one you want to live in, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, for and sure. so I've been really busy with that, like talking kids off the ledge because, because nowadays, bro, the young people are just so weak inside no, their constitution. No, that's a fact because um, th the one good thing about now is that people are being more open with it. That's the one good thing, because I'll tell you this. And you know me pretty good. You know, I was, a, I was a rock in a lot of ways. And what happened was, you know, a lot of the shit that we've been through, we were on tour with you when I had all types of 
um, 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 let's say uh, uh, <laughs> law enforcement looking for me and all types of wild shit. And none of that shit really fazed me. But I'll tell you this, and I was, I've been talking about it more because I fell into that case a little bit, the mental case, loony bin during this whole shit. But it wasn't just, you know, all right, COVID. Yeah, of course. It sucks. You know, like we're talking about, there's no money in hardcore. All you, everybody that sees is in front of the, the, the big ass festival without 20,000 people. Those 20,000 people didn't come to see Ignite or Madball. They came to see Black Sabbath who's headlining it or Iron Maiden. <laughs> but we happen to be lucky enough to be able to play this. And yeah. no, we don't get a dollar from these 20,000 people either. No. You no. know what I mean? And, um, but we, we get to do some cool things. But, um, our music is the working man's fucking uh, um, 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 type of thing. You know, we got to work to get every penny. We don't get no royalty check. Madball doesn't live off a royalty. We don't know what a royalty check is. We know from we play, we, we do what we do, and we get paid for it and, what, and, and our merchandise. But when this whole shit happened, it just, I've been talking about it. I just talked about it not too long ago. It felt at the same time my mother passed away. And it had nothing to do with COVID, but when then, then that happened. And then me being a single father, thinking about my son more than myself. And now everything from my past, from my wife passing away when my son was, you know, a year after my son was born, which you know the whole story. All those body blows I took along the way that I just rubbed them off, all caught up to me at this point when I thought I could never get broken. You know, mentally, I said, I could never be broken. I always, I, I'll catch myself. And I started bugging out because everything came real. You know, again, every everything slowed down, so it finally caught up to me. You know what I mean? I was starting to see everything that hit me all at once. And then there's two things you could do. You know, and this ain't no PMA hour. I'm not Toby. But the fact <laughs> is, you could lay down and die, or you could get up and try to keep living. And... I caught myself losing it because work, you know, my mother, but besides my mother, she was my son's mother. That's the thing that killed me the most, you know, my sons, you know, thinking of my sons in the future for them. And, and then I had, you know, I have good friends around me that check up on me, but you know, I, I wasn't putting my business out there like that, but the people around me, thank God I do have good people around me who know me very well. They started noticing like I wasn't myself. And then they started telling me, yo, yo, dude, you're, you know, you're kind of falling in a hole. And I'm like, nah, nah. And then I would catch myself by myself like, yo, I'm falling into a hole kind of shit. Thank God I'd be, I was able to grab myself. You know, I started working out. I started, you know, I relaunched the podcast, which I've been wanting to. I, I, I started focusing to, 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 to go forward. But if it wasn't for this whole shit, believe me, I'm hurting still financially like i've been saying my new thing is my wallet is mad vegan i got abs <laughs> that shit is mad ripped you know that shit is like bazooka joe's abs back in the yeah, day dude, yeah. you know fucking um but uh, during this covid shit the most fucked up shit in my life happened to me losing my mom's but at the same time it was a blessing that you know one i was lucky to have my mom's as long as i had her one number two she was the mother, not just my mother. She was my son's mother for fucking 12 years. So I'm beyond grateful for that. And out of her death, 
I, you know, for one, you know, everything I do, I think my mother, you know, you know, how she would do it and everything about, but if it wasn't for all that happening, I don't know if I ever would have uh, caught, done what I had to do to preserve myself for my son, for my sons. You know what I mean? I literally took that negative into a positive, but I know where, you know, that shit could go either way, left or right. You know what I mean? And I'm glad I have people, you know, I didn't, I didn't reach out to anybody, but I understand that having somebody to talk to is a fucking plus. You know, I used to be like, oh, you know, you could get over it, but being able to talk to people is good. You know what I mean? Once you let it out, you decompress. But you know, the thing is, uh, and, and I, and, and my heart goes out to you and your family. And I'm so sorry about your mom. Once again, she's an, your mom's an angel, man. You know, my, my hat's off to you for what all you've done, because I know what you did in the background and what you did to make sure that those kids are with you and they're safe. And the yeah. majority of men don't do that because I've helped 27 guys, about yeah. 30 people now, and about four women get their kids back. And, I, and I'm an advocate for, 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 for parents and for children. Yep. And I work in the court that's cases. So that's, that's the other thing I do. I just lost you. Yep, hold on one second. You gotta pay the, the the bill. You gotta pay the internet bill. Yeah, yeah, no, no, people, no. Um, um, that's what I wanted to talk about. I'm glad you're getting into it. That exactly how you were helping out, you know, um, single fathers out there, fathers fighting for custody of their children. Because um, one, I never knew there was an avenue for that. And I remember when we talked, we have a mutual friend. When you reached out to be, that's where I learned that you were doing that. Like um. Explain exactly what exactly you, you do with that and how did that, how did that, how did you start doing it? Because it's not like a, a, a very clear lane you get into, you know what I mean? So uh, there's a Hungarian saying out of everything bad comes something good, right? And just to, just to bookend your point, you, you, you keep falling forward. You, you don't fall back, Hoya. You know, like uh, Muhammad Ali said, I never got knocked down. I just keep getting back up. And that's how you are. And when a, like a crab, whatever comes out of its shell, it fucking hurts. But you break out and then you become a different, bigger, stronger thing, right? And it's true. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And you can't stop. See, Hoya, you can't stop. You can't take a break. You got yeah. two kids to take care of. You got your family. You got all this stuff going on. And it gets hard. And thank God we don't live in some place like Hungary where I come from. You just drink. You don't yeah. talk about your feelings. You don't talk about what's it called. But there's a yeah. point where you got to pull your fucking boots up, you know, your socks up and 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 and, and change your, your, your diapers and fucking get up and try. And the minute you stop growing, the minute that apple stops growing, it starts to rot. Right. So you always have to grow. And if you remember when you were a young kid and you're going through puberty, your bones hurt. It hurts to grow. Yeah. Out of something bad always comes something good. And yeah. I don't know if 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 it's lifted, this COVID thing's lifted, how you're going to feel about leaving your two kids behind and going back on the road for seven months out of the year, bro, after all this. Because you got used to this. Yeah. You guys have a bond, man. Yeah. And so, you know, everything. And that's you just there's a there's a there's a flow in life. There's there's two there's two energies, right? There's love and fear. Everything fears, you know, is not getting what I want, losing what I have. It's me, me, me. It's it's my ego, and I gotta get it. And love is just that. And and COVID forced me to go on the love thing because there's no, I can't go get anything, right? Yeah. I, I I was cutting a, a lady's lawn a couple of days ago, and then I'm on the phone with a millionaire's kid for three hours, and yeah. then I'm teaching vocals. I don't care. I don't 
don't give a shit yeah. what I do because I'm not a I'm it's not what I, I who I am is not what I do for a living you know what I mean yeah no and, of course but who you are is you're a kick-ass dad and amazing family man so if you got to go do this to go you know what I mean and yeah. so it's if you stop if we stop defining ourselves by what we do then who are we and that's what I'm trying to get these kids down to well who are you and they don't even know who they are you know, when you're a young man and I was a young man, we had a different upbringing and we had to create this constitution. We had, we, we, but we had a different time. We got to go out in the street and ride bikes, get fist fights, not worry about some kid bringing guns to school. Yeah. It was a different time, right? So it's like, okay, it's tough, but it isn't, the Titanic hasn't even left the fucking port yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, no, no, and, no. And, the, and, and the insane asylums are filled with people that are, that were that went nuts from worrying about things that haven't happened. That's that would, true. You know, when you feel like you're out of you're out of control, you start worrying, so you can feel like you're in control, so you worry about something because that's some sort of control thing. But if you have faith in a, in a higher power and spirituality, it always works out, Hoy, and it always worked out for you too. It doesn't mean uh, for me. I believe in God, right? It, it, God oh, will give you the. We, God, we both relate on a lot of. Uh, we have a lot of the same beliefs, minus the eating stone soup, but the, re- <laughs> the other stuff. We have a lot in common. God will give you the boat, but you got to row, bro. You got to do the rowing. Yeah. And, and to get here, sometimes you got to go here to here. What it, but you'll get there, or maybe you won't get there. You go here, and then you wow, this is even better. Like I stopped wanting. I stopped wanting because Buddha said the road to unhappiness is paved with wanting, and I don't want anymore, dude. I, I got yeah. everything I wanted either ran ran out on me or rusted on me. Yeah. And God gave me everything I ever wanted, and it was fucking like that. And then when yeah. I finally let go, because of COVID made me let go, like I, I, it's life is so much bigger and better. And I'm yeah. just, I'm just a dad, dude. I'm, I'm just this nobody. And it's fucking great. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. But the thing with you, where we have a lot of similarities being single dads and dads that um, 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 the forces of nature made it unnatural for us to be single dads you know it wasn't the perfect storybook you know um, um story we meet our girls and and then now we're you know our high school sweethearts and now we're married and all that other good stuff you know well, with us we always shared and like a lot of our friends like Isaac and a lot of our other friends are single dads and and it's a hard life but you know especially me and you um we love our children so much that we don't know any other way and like I still don't understand a deadbeat dad. How I, I, I couldn't be a deadbeat I, dad if I tried. Like it's not in me. Like you know, I just cannot. Not you know, just it's just so crazy to me. I was and I was in court I, two weeks ago, and this lady was petitioning the judge to make to force her the the father of her their daughter to spend time with their daughter. Insane. And here I am trying to get this guy just to see his kids, and he's an amazing guy. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on with this world? What kind of guy doesn't want to spend time with his daughter? A beautiful little girl. And she was was in court. She was 11 years old. Beautiful little girl. Sweetheart. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with these guys? How do you walk away on your family? I know. It's so insane. And that's some crazy, crazy shit to me. And the thing is, um, um, and we're dads. Like, we both know there's nothing like a mother. For sure. But... Not everybody has that privilege to have a mother. And not that we could replace our mother, but guys love their children just as much as a mother does. 
They may yeah. have not come out of us, but they are part of us because it, it they needed a part of us went into that 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 cake batter to make that cake. You know what I mean? And a, a lot of there's a lot of deadbeat dads for sure, but a lot of times you could trace it back to their upbringing. I learned that from my mother. My mother, whenever I would bring somebody home when we were kids to sleep over or something like that, or like, yo, this kid got thrown out of the house. It was never, you can't come to the house. My mother used to be like, you stay here. And my father, no, you eat here. Yep. Don't worry about it. And then she would say, never, what did he do to get thrown out? She, first thing she would ask is, where's their parents? What yep. happened with the parents? Because it's true. You could trace it back to the upbringing. Yep. You know what I mean? In the household. But the thing that I, that I, you know, that uh, bugged me out about what you ended up doing with helping the single guys out, that I, I'm, I, I'm a guy who roots for the father also because there's a lot of good guys out there. And I didn't know there was an avenue for that till you told me that's what you were doing. Uh, what, so how exactly you, you, you know, you fell into that job like of, and what exactly you do to help these fathers in court cases? I, you explained it once to me a little bit, but let the people know, because there's a lot of single fathers out there that want to be a part of their kid's life. You know what I mean? But they're not doing the right thing. One of the best yeah. things that ever happened to me is I got paralyzed and then I got my legs back. You know, well, you saw me that day. You were there. Yeah. Where I, was, I was at the Will Full Ford, my last show with Pennywise. I got paralyzed. Yeah. And when you can't feel your penis, dude, and you can't feel your balls, and you can't, and you, all of a sudden, Nightmare. you smell stuff, dude, and it's, you're shitting your pants, and you can't <laughs> feel your legs. That's, that, that's when you got problems, bro. That's yeah. problems. And then you get it back. All I wanted to do is say, God, just let me. I don't know why. It was like, let me get a cup of coffee on Huntington Beach. Down is a, is a street called Main Street. And for some reason, because I live close to Newport Beach, but Huntington Beach, you get a cup of coffee. And I just wanted to go feel the sand on my toes. And I remember coming home like six, eight months later. And I'm shuffling down real slow. I got with my feet back, but I'm still wobbly. I got a cup of coffee. I cross the street and I fall into the sand. And I start bawling because I could feel the warm sand, bro. Yeah. So out of that, I came a brand new person, a person that was thankful for every little thing, every cup, dude, every cup of coffee for me now yeah. is fantastic, right? Uh -huh. And it gave me the opportunity to fight this court case that I was forced into, right? But, you know, everyone has, I have my share in it. But um, it, it, the, the problem for me with, with, with court and, and what's going on in America is the destruction of the family unit. And yes. it's and after Reagan took it and made it into a no fault divorce, and there's an incentive. It's a billion billion dollar industry. The scariest movie you'll ever see is called Divorce Corp. C O R P. It's narrated by this guy, Doctor Drew, who's a big uh, he's a doctor here in L.A. and he, he's a, a radio guy. And it talks about the billion, two, three, four, five billion dollar industry in divorces, and how judges or lawyers that were put in by other law firms to go. And vote for, you know, oh, because you get two strikes before you see a judge. See, a lot of guys don't know any of this stuff. They sign away their rights to see their kids. They don't know that you can strike the judges. They don't know how to look up the judge that they got. They don't know the law firm that the judge has. This stuff I help them with, right, from the get-go, okay? But before then, you have to realize you can't litigate. I tell everybody, you cannot litigate into a conducive parenting situation. You can't sue each other to be good parents. Yeah. Yesterday, she was your wife and he was your husband. So my kid's mom, the dad. Today, now we're in divorce, we're in divorce court. She's a whore. He's a drug addict. She worships the devil. He molests children. She, you know, but da, 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 right? And all of a sudden, after the, the lawyers are fi finished with you and then suck you dry, what are you going to do? You're going to settle 
and you're back to where you were before, but now you've had four years, two years, three years of fucking your kids up and having someone in a fucking dress, some dude in a dress, take 15 minutes to tell you what your next six months of your life's going to look like, right? Yeah. And that's the problem. A lot of people want to fucking hurt each other and realize, hey, let's not do this because like I would say, I said, I said your honor, every time I'm in here, I'm spending a, a, a semester of UCLA I could be putting away for my kids. And that case, that whole thing cost me $250,000. I was in the whole 160 grand. I sold everything I owned, all my, all my guitars, everything. I, I had to, I stopped everything else and just focused on that. And it destroyed me. It destroyed me from the inside. And if I'd had somebody like me now, I wouldn't have made the pro I wouldn't, we wouldn't even got there. So I, I, I try to talk to these people and get to them before they go to court. Because yeah. by the time you light that force on fire, it's, it's hard to put it out. Like there's two of you here that need to raise this kid. Right. And, and, you know, like there's so many things that you don't understand when you, when you give the system, your family, the system's got your family and the system don't give a fuck about the betterment of the minor child. They don't give a fuck about father's rights or mother's rights. They don't give a fuck about, you know, frustrating custodial access, any of that stuff. And you're going to be ground up. And the first thing they do on both sides is they do income expense declaration. They see how much money you got. That's the first thing they do, Hoya. And the, if you got no money, get the fuck out of here. You're not getting to go get figured out yourself. You got some money. This thing's going to last you until you got no money. And yeah. the average divorce in New York is like $2.5 million. That's and it fun. doesn't end. It doesn't end. It keeps going. And if you watch Divorce Corp, I, I recommend anybody that's having a hard time with their wife, watch that video or their husband. And that's the reality of divorce court. It's not what your girlfriends tell you, your mommy groups tell you, your buddies or a friend of mine's a lawyer. He's, no, no, no. You are going to get eaten fucking up and your kids are going to be a tennis ball. And at the end of it, you're hopefully, and it, it's, it's like, I keep telling these guys, if you're going to go do this, then you got to do it. Because yeah. either you spend the money now on getting, make sure you have custody of your kid, or you're going to spend it on rehab. Because yeah. your kid's going to be so fucked up, he's going to be doing drugs. Because mom, half of the kid is mom, half the kid is dad. But if dad say mom's a piece of shit, dad's a piece of shit, mom's, the kid's like half of me is a piece of shit, the other half's a piece of shit, I'm a piece of shit. I'm getting bounced around from house to house. Uh, yeah. They have a new family, he's got a new family, and I have no place to stay. And I've got, I, I created all these problems for the family, and I've caused all this pain. I'm going to fucking do drugs. I'm going to kill myself. And it happens over and over and over again. So that's why it's horrible. The problem we have, the systematic problem we have in America is because of the fucking divorce court situation. In other places where there's no incentive to fight and you can't, you can't bill $380,000 in lawyer's fees, they don't have this kind of, we work it out, right? Yeah. Because if you're, big boy enough to have sex with that woman without a condom and leave your penis in there a little bit longer, then you better be a big boy enough to fucking work it out between the two of you. And if she's a bitch and you're a dick and she's a dick, that, 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 you fucking figure it out. Cause you send the shit to court. It's like, you're sending, uh, you're sending your kids into battle for you. And it's yeah. just fucked up. I hate it. It's gross, but I'm needed. And so I, I got two guys right now and I've helped uh, four women so far. Because there are there's a lot of scumbag dudes out there. A lot, but exactly. The system is set up against the guy. Yes. And 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 you have to have a mom in your life, and it's so important to have both those things in your life. 
the yin oh, and yeah. yang, the, the, the feminine energy, then the masculine energy and, and yes. on both sides, right? You have to have, a, it just, that's the problem with America. And, and that's why I, I so look up to the, you don't have many Latino divorce cases. I've not really, because you know why? Because it's kind of shameful. You don't have hardly any Asians in there because yeah. the, the parents come in and they'll kick, your dad will kick your fucking ass. Yes. Right? How you know I mean? Absolutely. You don't have any Indians. I've never, I've never, I've never helped an Indian guy. Your parents would beat the shit out of you. Yeah. Right? It's, 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 uh, you know what it is? I say it, I say it all the time. It's the American, the new, not even, when I say, I don't even say, you know, all the white people, old country white people have the same morals as South Americans, as Central Americans, as, you know, that, that family value. America, which don't get me wrong, I love America more than anywhere in the world on the planet. But the American thing is this. You're 18, throw the kid out of the house. You're fucking 65 years old, put him in an old folks' home. Fuck, dude. You know, insane. You mean, I, I want I want to be, a, I, I, to the day I'm in a box, I want to be at arm's length to my yeah. children. Yeah. And your grandparents are going to teach your kids while you're going to work. They're going to teach your kids all the shit you can't teach them. And they're going to love them a different way. And I was raised by my grandma and fucked it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it up for the world. I lived there. And when my mom came to get me, cause I was a bad kid. They sent me to hungry for like a year. And they, they I said, what are they doing here? She's like, they're going to take you. I said, no, I'm not going back. I said, grandma. She <laughs> yeah. taught me everything. And what do they do in America? Get the fuck out of here when you're 18. Then why the fuck did you have these kids? Oh, exactly. she's old. You can't put her in an old folks' home. In Europe, the old folks' home and the kindergartens are in the same building. Yeah. And then you send your kids and these old people raise your children while you're trying to work. Because yeah. these people have, my grandma taught me about, they know more about money. They know old people know more about love, sex issues, Facts. everything, everything, yeah. respect, everything. Then, and then anything you can get on Google. The problem is people think that you can raise kids from fucking Google now. Yeah, people think that you can raise, you can go on some fucking mommy daddy group and raise, and you got all the answers here, and you don't need old people to fucking show you how to do it. So, yeah. th the biggest problem we have in America is our family dynamic. Yep, it's I fucking agree. shot. It is. It's, it's disgusting. It's and, and that's I why. Realized, and that's the one thing I also realized. Like, I always knew it, but that's the thing that I was. What? Why I became grateful enough that my son, my oldest son, is twelve. That he was old enough to get that female since his mom passed so we don't remember his mom he was one year, a year old when his mom passed that i had my mother and that's the shit i shared with him i would tell him look how lucky we are your grandmother was my mother and we both share the same mother how crazy is that like trying to make it on a positive thing and i'm glad that he was able to get that woman around because we're a bunch of guys here you know you know how guys are you know we show love in a different way and you need the mother to come scoop you up and then talk you about talk to you about certain things that you know the guys aren't good at talking at and also learning how to be like you know you could you know that's why we would we would we would cry in front of our grandmothers and our mothers easier than we would in our fathers because our fathers would get mad at us that you know the, the women will be like oh come over here and we get the comfort <laughs> and i yeah. always knew because i'm a mama's boy i was like man that's the thing with my son that i was always like man he's he ain't I'm glad he was able to get at least 12 years of that, you know, because to not have none of that at all, you need that in, the, in your build. You know what I mean? You need to have some of that. And it's very important. Not everybody, you don't just need a mother. 
to, to make a good kid, but a father and a mother is very important in the household. You know, like you said, the yin and yang, and, and, and they, 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 they complement each other. And you know, what to do, what not to do. If you're, if you're a boy, you see similarities or however you feel as a human, you look at your mother, your father, and you're like, I relate to that. Oh, and then you could kind of put the pieces together in your head. But um, it's, it's not easy. Hoy. It's not easy. It's not yeah. easy. What you're, it wasn't easy that your parents stayed together for so long. It wasn't easy for your mom or your dad to stay together. Yeah. But they stayed sure. together. They made a decision to stay together. What My, my parents were married for 48-something years. He's like, my dad's like, I'm married to the same woman for 40-something years. So you know how hard that is? I'm like, dude, that's why. I can't believe you can't you do that, dad. But yeah. You got yeah. Your parents did it to give you that stability so that you could do that for your children. And I remember, and I, I don't know, you know, we'll talk too much about it, but when you were going through what you're going through over in Europe and to where, how your children are with you right now, you know, Hoya, that's, that's a real tough guy. See, see the tough guy isn't the guy who's going to beat up some, the tough guy is the guy who goes to work to a job he can't stand, comes home to a wife that really, you know, whatever, you know, but he's got these kids and he puts down the money on Friday nights and he doesn't fucking drink and beat the shit out of his kids. And he gets up to work the next day and goes again to the next day and puts his head on a guilt-free pillow. That's a tough guy who puts her family first. That's a tough guy in my, in my book and fucking what you did for your family, dude, that's uh, you know, th there's no fucking, you can put all the biker gangs in the world together. It's not as tough as what you did. Yeah. You know, for me, I, I just, there was no other option. There's no way while I'm alive, anybody's going to take my kid from me. That's not fucking happening. You know, they say never say never. I say never to that. Yeah. You're going to have to murder me. Not in this life, in this lifetime, <laughs> in the next lifetime, and the lifetime after that to maybe have a chance that I don't fucking get you. Because nobody's <laughs> going to take my, that's the one thing. You could, you could get at me trying to get at my kid but you're going to have to really kill me a hundred times because I will grab you in the afterlife and I will fucking stab you with a fucking pencil till you fucking leak every single bit of blood in your body out. Nobody, <laughs> but I mean, I don't know anyway. It's not even, a, you know how that is. We don't even think about it. It's just what it is. You know, my brain, the minute he came out, my brain thought of my children my kids it just that's what it was i never cared about anything else i had to make sure oh he got to be raised right they got to be right they got to be yo they need clothes i hope make sure i'm doing all the right things for them and then when all this shit happened i that's why i started training hard and doing all that i said yo you know re reality is reality i go now he really don't have a mother my oldest son i said i'm the only guy he has and i gotta make sure i'm there as long as i could as long as I got the choice to, to do it, I got to be on this earth as long as possible. And I said, it ain't even a choice. It's what I got to do because I want to see my son graduate. I want to see my sons marry somebody. I want to see my sons have children. I want to see them. I want to see them to where I don't got to worry about them no more. That's why I want to make it to that point. When I yeah. make it to that point, then I can feel like, you know what? I did all right. But even then, I already programming my oldest son to keep a little room in the attic for me <laughs> with a crazy grandfather. Cause um, I, again, like as long as I'm alive, I want to be at, at arms, you know, reach of my children and I'm good. You know what I mean? It's like, um, like you said, everything else is bullshit, which it is. It is. It's all bullshit. You, you know? And it's like, uh, it's crazy, but especially now being, um, doing the jobs we did, like what you said something earlier was kind of true. Like doing the jobs we do, we're away a lot. 
But the one, the one thing that I do know for a fact, being in a band, as much as we are away a lot, we're also home. When we're home, our children have us all day. We could drop them off at school and pick them up yeah. and not just be miserable. You know, our families, they, by the time they got home, they cooked for us. They barely talked to us because they were tired from working all day. They had to cook and then it's time for them to go to sleep. So as much as we had them, we didn't have all their attention because they had to do a lot more because of their lifestyle to, to make things happen. What we do is very, very hard. But I also see the pluses where, again, we could drop them off at school and we're the same parents picking them up after school. We're the guys that could go in in the middle of the day if they forgot their lunch and daddy got it. They, we, we could be the guys that say, yo, you know what? You're not going to go to school today. Let's go to the beach. You know, shit our parents never got to do with us. You know, so there's a pros and cons. But definitely being in, the, in a band and being um, a parent is not easy. And um, this COVID shit, like what you said earlier, I do think about, man, when I do go on the road now, it's going to definitely be different. Like, um, we got so used to doing this, and we just went through some very hard shit together. Now we got to get separated to get back to normal life, which got me thinking also, like, man, what the fuck? Yeah, because you, know, you used out? to be like, okay, okay, mom, you got the kids, I'm going to go, yes. you know what I mean? And now, and mom's not, you know, and it's like, fuck, man, I got to leave these kids for, you know, six, seven months. But, you know, like, just to the end it was just if you're if you're if you're going through shit and you love your kids work it out work it Absolutely. out work it out if you have to go to court work it out and 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 hit me up anybody i i do it for fun and for free i'm not a lawyer i can't give you any legal advice but i just share my experience strength and hope with people and i do the things that the lawyers don't do which is pick up the phone at three in the morning but my personal lawyer the reason why we won everything after so long of losing was because he was he's old school he's like he could got like god sent him to me the guy was just a fucking angel and everything's cool now everything's cool there's the, my kids don't know anything but everything's cool so that's the so main it's, thing it's the main thing bro but you know like my brother he, he's um he got all the brains in the family he's a uh he's a, a pathogen specialist for viral viral pathogens he mostly works on tick pathogens but he, he's a part of the CDC for the Northwest, Pacific Northwest. And uh, he was telling me about these viral shedding, you know, that, that, that's going on right now. You know, the Chinese are getting the, um, there's a, there's a um, vaccine, a vaccine for COVID, right? Uh -huh. They're lining up by the thousands right now in China. You're going to mix, whenever you get a vaccine, there's a percentage of viral shedding that comes from it. That's why when you get these measles outbreaks, it's because you get the measles shot for school and some kids get the measles from it, just like the flu shot. The reason yeah, why the flu, flu season comes in is because of fucking flu shot. Everyone gets the flu shot, gives it to each other, and all of a sudden, whatever. So you got this viral shedding from the vaccine that they're doing right now in China. You got the flu that's going to be coming this, this winter. And you got this new H1N1 that's going on over there because they haven't shut down these disgusting wet markets where you, somebody goes in right next to a baby koala bear, is a wolf, is a kangaroo, is a fucking, you know, warthog and they're all sliced and killed together living in these cages super sick people living with the animals back and blah 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 and it makes this crazy viral load and all of a sudden that's coming this winter so if any musician thinks that they're gonna go on tour in 21 they can think again everything's getting fucking shut down hard it's gonna be a, the dark ages this winter right it's gonna be fucking gnarly then there's no 
there is no um, insurance companies that's going to insure these festivals. Who the fuck is going to insure a festival for acts of God? It used to be like, like you know, like, like yeah, strikes yeah, or whatever. Right, yeah. But now it's like these insurance companies, like I can't insure this fucking festival. And you can't have a festival in Germany, like bigger places without insurance for if something happens. And they're going to be like, yeah, we can get shut down like that if there's a COVID outbreak. So the insurance, the, the bus companies are getting sh- fucking destroyed because everything was, they, they, they're ex- it was so good for so long. They put it on the credit card, bought more buses, bought more buses, bought more buses. They're all shutting down, right? The backline companies are shutting down. Everything's going to get shut down around the uh, around the music industry as well. 2021, there's not going to be music. 2022, if this new COVID doesn't come into a new form, right? Because of the way it's overpopulation, the way that we, they don't fucking deal with the actual thing that started it is these fucking wet markets that they have, these disgusting places all over the world where they just slice and dice all these animals and mix up their entrails and the blood and the, all their fucking viruses and everything. And you're gonna keep getting these because at the top of the food chain, you're gonna have the bottom, uh, which is microbes and viruses start eating. There's too, there's too many human beings. The only person I ever talked about it was Bernie Sanders as we're overpopulation, right? And so 2021, you know, you know how festivals used to be uh, Thursday night Limp Bizkit. Uh, Friday night uh, corn, uh, Saturday night uh, um, was it? Uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 Judas Priest. Sunday uh, Motorhead. That's what it always was, right? Yeah. And then and then the smaller bands or whatever. Now it's going to be Metallica Thursday night with Foo Fighters and Led Zeppelin. And, you know, and the smallest bands are going to be like you know Tool, yeah, Alice Cooper. So bands that already have some some pull are going to new bands are going to get shit in twenty in twenty twenty two. So I think we're going to have to really, as musicians, really sit back and go, okay, we, we know plan B had to come. But right now we're going to be forced there. There's not going to be no, there's not going to be any music, bro. And he, another thing is everyone's devastated and these festivals are very expensive. So how are you going to pay for the ticket? And am I going to go a month from now into the whiskey and go and stand this close to, you know, 600 people and watch a band play. So a friend of mine, he's a drummer of uh, Maroon 5. And I called him because I'm like, dude, he's he's the music industry, right? You know, he's like, those bands, yeah. they, they sell out these fucking giant stadiums. And he goes, dude, we are fucked because, you know, we have to make, you know, 30,000 seaters a night to make any money because we have a fucking giant show coming. And we can't play in front of 1,000, 2,000 people. We won't make any money, you know? Yeah. And he's like, who's going to let 30,000 people scream and push all their lung juice out on each other and sweat and spit and scream and blah, blah, blah. Dude, so, you know, it's funny. Sometimes, you know, y- your, your choices are made for you. And I think as a musician, our choices are made for us. And this is the perfect time to start figuring out what, what plan B looks like. Yeah, that's everything you just said is horrible, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> everything you just said just sucks. Sucked because... <laughs> I, I hope you're so wrong. <laughs> no, like, dude. Pass with other things. Yeah, but it's horrible. I mean, a lot of it makes sense, but yeah, it's fucking horrible and it's scary. You know, um, I, I never know when the date is with what. I definitely know that it ain't as soon as people, some people would hope, you know, whenever we could get back into the mo. I do think we'll get back into the motion of things, but I could see it being um, problematic in, in the ways where even for the bigger bands that, are, let's say they're going to have to scale down. They're going to get first priorities over the, those those venues when it is ready. And that's going to push the smaller bands even to garages. Do you know what I mean? If it, if it even would get to that point, which already 
a hard, being in a hardcore band is being in a, a glorified garage band. You know what I mean? And look, it's look, fucking, look at flying, dude. You're going to have to get a shot to show that you had the COVID uh, vaccine. But you know how vaccines work. They, they morph. COVID comes into California, moves to South America, comes back. It's a different fucking strain, right? Yeah. So you're going to get these shots and you have to show paperwork. And then and then how are you, what you get, we're going to be in our cars doing circle pits, crash a derby know, or something? But, you know, with, without getting political on anything, because, you know, whatever, we, you know, that shit goes into a whole a knot. You know, I also believe, like, dude, there, there's been, we've been, I've played the craziest countries in the world. I've been in some uh, very unsanitized backstages in countries where, you know, just it's what the living standards were. You, you know, the morphing, yeah, we learn things morph and whatever and whatever, but this can't be the super disease now, all of a sudden, <laughs> that this is the one that merges without people also using that as an excuse to push things along for political reasons because the fact is you know uh, uh, um, people living uh, right next to where they where they take a shit those places been like that for a hundred years yeah and Vinny Stigma's right he, he goes you can't get sick son you're in a hardcore band he's right we, my immune system was so fucking strong I never get sick bro and you don't either because we played in 1994 these fucking this I mean I remember this, the, my girlfriend comes on the tour bus. She, I'm like, look, here's our tour bus. It was when Beat the Street was just yep. a piece of shit old bus off the, off the, you know, the city buses that they put, they threw down. Yeah, oh, we had street. that on that tour. Dude. And it was like, in, in, in the places that we played, it were like, I didn't know. I thought they were fucking, they were disgusting, dude. But it made, and the kids are coming up spitting on you and shit, but it made our immune system super fucking strong. I remember we played the beat the street bus and now it's like the best company in the world right but um it was this bus that had just the foam squishies on the floor and then they made this top rack but the the, the exhaust would come in and you get high from the exhaust fumes and yes. the toilet was a, a fucking bucket and yeah and he'd take it and the guy wouldn't pour it out and he'd take a turn and the piss would spill over and fill up all the squishies on the floor. Yeah, let me ask you. Did, did, were, were, did we share? Yeah, we shared the bus on the first tour we did together, right? Yeah. That was the fucking tour where yeah. Mark had the bottom bunk and one day he woke up and he was like basically floating. And pure piss out of a bucket. Yeah, the, 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 the toilet was basically a bucket that had to get physically picked up and taken out of the bus to get dumped. And fucking and beat the street ended up being blowing up afterwards. Like it became like you know a, a real bus company. But when we had it, it was a glorified garbage truck. Dude, I'm telling you, we had a we had a bus on a different tour. I won't say what co company, but but this bus was a fucking death trap. And I I just had it. I wanted a new bus. I don't care what it is. I'll take a fucking taxi. So one day, I went outside. I got all this the sand and I opened up the, the opened up the hood. And I poured sand and dirt into this fucking Mercedes-Benz diesel engine. I took a fucking hammer to it and it wouldn't stop. And the next day I did it again and I put rocks in the fucking thing. And I'm like, okay, the engine's going to blow up. And we went on for another month. I couldn't believe it, dude. The yeah. buses are amazing. Those that, that German technology was amazing. And those fucking buses would go. But inside, the only thing that was missing was fucking rats. Yeah. It was I'm filthy, you, dude. Freddie always says that we'd be like, yo, definitely, you know, we're immune to a lot of shit from playing and flying all over the world and being in some of the fucking craziest 
you know, uh, places, you know, our immune system. Hey, I'm not saying this I'm on some cocky shit. Now, God forbid anybody could get sick, but definitely I'm traveling has definitely because I'm not a sickly guy either. You know, thank God. And I definitely, um, you know, that's how you build up your immune system. That's the thing yeah. where people are out there, too. That's a, a lot of a big thing that um that everybody got to pay attention to. Like, yeah, we got to be we got to stay, you know, um, informed on this virus, this and that. But you know what everybody got to do before anything is work on your immune system. Well, that's not what I'm worried about. It's like we're not working on immune system right now and it's mine's getting weaker. I can feel yeah. like I feel different because I'm not. I'm not stressing it out. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm worried about this, this, this winter. And before anybody's a Democrat or Republican, before you believe in whatever, we're Americans first, right? I don't give a fuck about politics, right? But my, I feel like my immune system isn't sharp because I'm not flying to Europe like I used to. Yeah. I would go to Europe six, seven times. I haven't been there in a year. Yeah. You know? And so I do feel like, you know, I'm worried when the fucking comes in that my, my, my immune system is not going to be strong. But I watched... You know, you ever watched, uh, you follow John Joseph? Yeah, of course. Shout I mean, out to the, Blood Spot. The overachiever, right? The guy yeah. that does, uh, uh, yeah, what you doing, man? Well, I'm just running the fucking 50-mile marathon. I'll call you right back, you know? Yeah, I know, just, right? Thank God. And so I'm trying to follow his tip on eating and working out and stuff because I'm not getting the, 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 I'm not getting the Ecuadorian viruses from you screaming yeah. at me, <laughs> coming in my bunk and singing on top of you and Mitts. Almost then, killed me that night. So first of all, let well, me tell you about immune system. Immune system, because of me. So here's the bus, right? It's old beat the street has a pop top. Hoya's up here. I'm down here, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Hoya would play in these fucking basketball shorts, but yeah. he wouldn't wash them like I wash my clothes every day in the shower afterwards. He just hang them up, right? Because he's gonna <laughs> let them dry out. So every day after I would disinfect it. Because we're on tour of Madball, and I'm worried about these different diseases that are coming in from the East Coast. I, in the dark, I'd get a mouth full of Hoya's crotch pants, sweaty yeah, ball it. across my face every fucking night. I'm like, God damn it, this guy's leaving his shit because I wouldn't see it. So <laughs> every night, yeah, your fucking watch. balls are in my face. Listen, that was the <laughs> vaccine. Why you think you haven't got sick? <laughs> That's the vaccine right there. I tried That's to, funny. you know, you're like, you know, in the OC, what we used to call it back then. Yeah, you know, you're like life in the OC. I don't know. Hard worry streets in Newport Beach, dude. Mean uh, streets in Newport Beach. You get a sunburn. Listen, and then um, that's what I'm saying. So, what 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 year was that when we did our first? That was '96. '95. '95. Oh, I was on the '95 tour. That was the first. Cause I remember I was like, yeah, the first tour was with the Bruisers. Yeah, that was like our second full. We did Bruisers tour. Then we did a short uh, tour with I think Kickback. Yeah, you you were the next Ignite was the next tour we did like long tour. You know, sharing a bus and being with somebody. It was Ignite, Madball, and Agnostic Front, and we go to Toulouse, Southern oh, France. Oh my! This place called the Bikini Club, and we show up just disgusting pigs. And there's a there's like a kind of topless supermodels laying out by this pool. And this palm trees, beaut and this like sand and palm trees and shit. And I remember we all jumped in, and it was like Caddyshack, and it was everybody just got out and took off. A black <laughs> ring around the pool, just a dirt cave. Everyone did their washing in the pool. It was so funny, man. So, you know what? I remember. I always talk about it. So when we first, when we first got on that tour, we were like, 
oh man, you know, obviously we heard of the band and we're like, oh, everybody's blonde or, you know, yeah, uniform dude. choice. Dudes, these dudes got to be straight edge guys, you know, and I, and, I, and, I, and I had, you know, some love for uniform choice, but I was like, oh, how's this going to be? And I remember being like one of the first shows, two shows, we're outside. And, and, that, and at that time, I was at the most meathead, even with the hardcore I was into. And I remember, you know, I'm, we're listening, I'm outside with Stigma and I hear you fucking, you, you know, you're singing fucking whatever you're singing. La, 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 la. Some Pavarotti <laughs> shit. <laughs> and I'm like, and um, uh, I remember being like, I didn't even go, watch you guys officially yet, just from outside. And I'm like, fuck, man, uh, we got to be on tour with these guys. How long? I got to hear this shit. And then about a couple days after that, I caught you guys inside live. That's where I started loving it. I was like, yo, I, I, I hate to admit it, but I kind of like them. And then I remember Brett coming up to me and saying, saying something about Sonny. He goes, yeah, you know, we do opera core. And he was laughing. Right. I go, right. oh, at least he noticed that what I heard. I heard Pavarotti in the, in the mix, too. But, but then I, that's why I started liking the band, seeing you guys live. But everybody out there, I wanted to tell you, you know, being in hardcore music, you know, I grew up with a lot of white kids, but I never met a real, real white kid till I met Soli. <laughs> I had the most Caucasian, opaque, or whatever the word is, fucking uh, experience of my life. Where one day, you know, I never forget it was me, Danny Giordano, our sound man. Shout out to his Danny, who's now the sound man for Haybreed and fucking um, Monster Magnet. Shout out to those guys too. But I remember one day, you know, um, we partaked in a little bit of the, the natural greenery in Holland or whatever. Parsley. We, we, were, we were getting lit. We're so I remember parsley. Yeah, we were, we, were, we, were, we were taking care of stuff. I was uh, ingesting the, the devil's lettuce. And right, the one let me tell you, like, let me tell you what we, if, there, if you have any devil's lettuce in California, and what Hoya partakes in is a fucking different universe, okay? It's a different thing. It's a, it's not like but, it's the but, same. So let's talk about, let's give it some but, background. But I remember, and I because was, go ahead. It was just like, um, hey man, you know, and it's like, whoa, man. It's like, what's wrong with you? And it's and it was all day. For, it was like, it was like the way the Germans drink beer. They wake up, start drinking, they drink two cases of beer, and they're not even drunk. Yes, I, I was a beast back then. But I remember the one day, and I was the, I was one of those guys that would be like, "Come on, everybody, smoke! Even if you want to smoke, come on, come on!" And this one day, it's me, Zoli, and Danny Giordano. And I remember you taking a couple of hits, and you even looked funny how you would hit it. You hit it like a real fucking real crackerjack. Like you look all <laughs> two hands, like holding it all weird. But I remember we're sitting there, and I'm lit. And I remember you were like. You stop there, and then you look at me, and you go, you want to hear a song? And I was like, um, okay. And then out of nowhere, you whipped out an acoustic guitar. And it took me about 45 playing. minutes to get that guitar, to go up the stairs in my bunk and bring it down. It took me about an hour and a half. And then when you, I, re I just remember you, you, you go into a song, and you start it, and I'm like, yo, this guy's John Denver. And I'm like, yo, I, I didn't even know how I, I felt so, I, could, I, didn't know how, I didn't know how to feel. I felt so awkward and weird and out of place. And I was like, yo, this is the whitest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And we sat through the number. You sang a couple of songs and I don't remember what it was. And I remember Danny Giordano and he's from Italy. He just looked at me and I looked at him and I was like, let him go. Just let him go. And I was like, that's where I really experienced the white man for the first time. You know how hard that was, dude? It's like the saying, you know, I'm not one to give up a free meal. 
Yeah. Because that's really that's that's hard, right? When a man George Michaels, <laughs> when a man serenades another man in a tour bus with acoustic guitar and sings eye to eye to you five inches away, it breaks you. You don't know that's what to do. Had, that's why I had to pay you back when I serenaded you in your bunk. <laughs> yeah, you know? I saw a little tear in your eye. You almost you almost got you because you yeah you had no defenses. You have no know, defenses like, against fucking George Michael's like, over here, dude. You said, bring it in, bring it in, bring it in. And I was like, <laughs> so, look, nah, okay. That's, not no, you, ask go, you, this you go, go you play football? I go, no, I, I played water polo. He goes, what? You go, what? I remember, get out of here. I was like, nice. and you go, nah, it's a hard sport. There's a lot hard. of knees going on under the water. I said, dude, <laughs> chill out with the water polo under the water knee thing. But, dude, and, it was like the UN in that fucking bus. Like, we, you know, Cal in, in California is very segregated, right? It's not like yeah. the East Coast where things are mixed together. And we were we were young guys from California, so we surfed. Joe was a supermodel, and I'm yes. not kidding. He was in I that know. video. Come on, girls, you believe in love? Duh, come on, second dance, baby. Yeah. And he uh, had to make out with Madonna to get the part in the video. Oh, he was my. like, like really, in 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 like GQ and all kind Armani, all kinds of shit, right? Bazooka Joe was the fly guy. He used, he was ripped, and he used to he used to put shading on his stomach muscles. Do you remember that? He would put he put makeup on before he go on stage and and shade his stomach muscles to play. Yeah, he had the three hundred shading, like yeah, the um, you know. <laughs> and we would have our shirts off everywhere. We always wore no shirts because kind of like you know red hot chili pepper. You don't wear shirts, right? We got blonde hair. We're we're fit, right? And 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 you guys didn't know what the fuck to do with this because on the East Coast it's who's harder, who's harder, and here's these guys are like. You know, hey, let's, abs. let's go out to clubs. You know, yeah, I, mean? I would walk in there and I, I thought I was in a beauty salon in the front of the bus. <laughs> I was like perfume. There was hair dryers going on, eyeliner. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Who the hell? Who, who am I talking with? The the fucking um, Spice Girls or Ignite? Because we would tell the promoter, we say, what's the club that you guys hate the most? What's the worst club? And they would always name the club where it's the funnest, right? It's all the like, and so we'd go to that club. We go to that club and hang out all night because when we were young, it was crazy. We would work out in the morning. We'd wake up. No, we'd come to. We wouldn't wake up. We'd come to. <laughs> and then we'd work out. And then we'd play the show, start party, and go out all night. Like now, I wake up in the morning and it feels like I ran a marathon just taking a piss in the morning. Like I know. I eight hours of sleep. But back then, yeah, you remember fucking... when you had abs? <laughs> I got a keg. I remember you when you had abs. <laughs> I used to be really good looking, Hoya. That's my yeah, I know, yeah. No, hey. yo, but Bazooka Joe took the uh, yo. Shout out to Bazooka Joe. <laughs> I remember standing watching him put his fucking bass on and his tight ass shirt and doing. And I remember he goes like this. <laughs> we went into the club. He goes, point to the hottest girl in the room, and I pointed to her, and he ended up with her that night. I, yo, magic. That guy was mad. And I thought I was the Antonio Banderas of the tour. And he came <laughs> along and took my shine. And we we almost complimented each other because there was nothing. We were so fucking weird to you guys. There was no like, you know, what's up? Who's tougher? It wasn't anything about toughness. It was just about having fun. Yeah, and, you, you know, got it. I remember you guys tried to fun. dye my hair, bleach my hair blonde one time. And I was like, I'll look like a silverback gorilla if I had blonde hair. You fucking you crazy. You a picture of us with all our, head, our hair bleached. <laughs> Yeah, I remember you guys are trying to arm bar me into fucking um platinum blondeness. 
And it was interesting because we were like, Sam, there's a TV show called Sanford and Sons. And this is the problem with America nowadays. Everyone's so fucking sensitive. There was Sanford and Sons. There was uh, All in the Family, Chico and the Man, where everybody's race got picked on. And yes. you go on tour with Madball, and he has all these fucked up nicknames, which I can't even say here because somebody will fucking take a snippet. He said, call me this or this. I'm like, I can't call you that, dude. And yeah. one day it was it was the Hungarians' turn to get picked on, and everyone came down to Hungary. The next day it was the Vietnamese guy got picked on. And every day some nationality got picked on, and we were all like this melting pot of assholes, right? Yeah. And there wasn't no there was no feelings involved. It was about like we were. We're all, we're in a, we're in American bands and we're in a hardcore on tour and we we it was like we all fucking got along because we all talk shit exactly. and no one talks shit anymore. That's a fact. Shit you, anymore. You know who said it the best was that comedian Jackie Mason. He goes, if you can't talk shit to your friends, they're not your friends. That's the whole point. You know, you don't do that with strangers. You do that people you're comfortable with to bug out. You know, it's kind of like you busting balls, especially being. New York, that's a rite of passage, you know, the ball busting. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. We'll find something. You could be identical twins. You're going to bust each other's balls on something. But that's how you show love. You know, Freddie yeah, but would you guys would that. do that. You guys were laser fucking precision with that shit. Oh, you guys yeah. would throw. I would always try to burn you somehow, and you would come back with the fucking hardest shit. And I'm like, fuck, I can't ever get this guy. And then he's got this, I call it the monkey paw, because yeah. you don't want to play CeeLo with fucking Hoya. Because I remember my shoes were on the table because I wanted to win one game. And and you and and you allowed me to have my shoes back. Yeah, you I took gave all you my money. Wearing shoes. You had this fucking muscle here that yeah, threw listen, the fucking the double sixes. I wanted you to feel how my ancestors did in their country when the white man came and took all the clothing and and to let me ask you this. <laughs> Our first tour was in 96, right? You're in Ignite, 95. Ignite. This is what I always wondered with the old shit. Because you, you had your stint in uniform choice, right? A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Where was that in the whole mix of everything? And so was Joe. Joe was a uniform choice guy, wasn't he? Joe was in Unity. Oh, he was, was in the Unity. Other, the other band uniform choice, yeah. I got okay. a uniform choice when they got all hair metal. And uh, oh. they, they, it was horrible. And I, and I yeah. said, I'm not doing this. This is fucking stupid. Because did it was you all trying to be like hair metal band. Huh? Did you record with that? It started to, and I and I and I left. I left because it was uh, it was not uniform choice the way you would think it was uniform choice. Yeah, I was yeah. wondering with that shit because I oh I wasn't so much into uniform choice, but I love the idea that because originally they were like one from California, I, which I was like, you know, I already had an assumption Cali's like you know more the punk punk surf punk hardcore guys, but they were skins early on and those straight edge. I was like, wow, that's pretty ill. Straight edge skinheads from fucking California. So I and I like that the artwork. So I kind of like the name and the name sounded, you know, very um 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 extreme in a way. And so I always liked the concept of them more than the actual band. Yeah, but so we're I, athletes I, though. Much. So so hardcore in California was totally different than the new, new East Coast. And we we're athletes. And so we had short hair because football season. So everybody yeah. in uniform choice are like almost professional baseball players. Every single band had some kind of workout thing. That's why like, you know, Henry Rollins, those guys, everyone would work out. And that's why I got into working out because of Henry Rollins, right? Mm -hmm. And then I remember our first tour before you guys was with, uh, and I never really knew much about, there was Boston versus Hardcore albums and stuff, but I never really knew much about Hardcore New York. And then we go on tour with uh, Earth Crisis and I go see the show and I'm like, oh, this guy's screaming and yelling. Like you guys are like, hammers 
and like, what the fuck is with all these people? Like, blah, 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 and then constantly these, these. I'm like, what the fuck is? There's no, there's no progression. There's no order. You know, it's, yeah. it was crazy. And then we're going to tour with you guys. And it's like, these people, they're going to steal my shoes. Like, Hoya has a really good, you guys should talk about your shoe collection. And it's like, um, it was such a different dynamic from West Coast to East Coast. And the reason why we called it Ignite was because we just played music that wasn't being played anymore. So it was like singing vocals over guitar riffs and, you know, and, and, uh, and, and fun, you know what I mean? And that's what we call Ignite to read, because we want to hear what we've been missing from when we grew up kind of a thing. Got and it. it was interesting with East, because I'm like, what is this sick of it all? Everyone's talking about this sick of it all. What is that? And this girl goes, you know who's sick of it all? I'm like, no. And they're like, yeah. it's a fucking huge band. And, and, then we, and then we play with them at, um, what was it? Like the, not the Leeds or Reading Fest. No, no, no. Um, what's the one in Holland? Anyway, Dynamo. Dynamo. And it's like, there's like 100,000 people. I'm like, what the fuck? What? Yeah. What? 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 I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then I saw the front. Figaro, Figaro. <laughs> Home of that fly DIY. You want to support the show? Go cop some merch right now. We got a lot of new t-shirts, shorts, and caps available. Welcome Everything is made in-house by your boy on the spot. So show some love. Support the movement. CasaTheRock.com is a spot. Oh, it wasn't like, the. Where's the feeling? Where's the Figaro's in there? <laughs> and, like, and, and, and let me ask you this: With Ignite, the lineup when we were when we went on tour, was that the first lineup of Ignite? Yeah, that was the the first lineup. Okay, yeah. I wasn't. Also, oh, and and how long were you a band before that tour? When did it uh, officially? Two weeks. That Two, Two weeks. weeks. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm watching a show. I got long hair. I'm in a VW bus. I got a goatee, right? And uh, and uh, I'm like, a, I was always a metal guy, right? But I always loved punk rock and hardcore because, uh, or punk rock because it was political and it, ma it made sense as working class. Metal and rock and roll was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And I wasn't into that shit. I was into more of the working class. And so I would go see these punk rock bands, you know, MIA, uh, uh, Shattered Faith, these kind of things from the West Coast. You know, these guys are surfers, but they're playing amazing music, social distortion, stuff like that. And um, then I started growing my hair long. Remember when H Henry Rollins kind of grew his hair long? Everyone's growing their hair long in punk rock. I saw a that. picture of you, I remember. Yeah, dude, I'm Fabio. I'm the, I'm the Hungarian Fabio. Fabuloso. The, no, but you were uglier, though. Uglier. <laughs> and, more uh, cousin itish Cousin it, more like it. I, I'm at this club watching this band play, and this guy comes and goes, hey, man, you're still singing. He's, uh, he's a very famous artist. He's the one that did the Uniform Choice cover. His name's Gavin oh. Oglesby. He did my, my, my punk rock jacket and stuff. And, and I said, yeah, I'm still singing. Um, and he goes, my band, Ignite, is looking for a singer. We're going to Europe in like two weeks. I go, well, come by and drop off a tape. So I'm watching my VW bus. He comes over. I put the tape in, and it is awful. It is dog shit. And I'm yeah. like, what is this crap? He's like, just try out, please, tomorrow. So I wrote him a song because I didn't like any other song. So I wrote them a song. I wrote the song, Gresham. And I came in and 15 minutes into it, they put their guitar stuff down. They're like, yeah, we're going to Europe. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, you're the singer. I'm like, okay. But, and, uh, but Joe wasn't there because Joe was modeling in Japan. Brett was a total dick. He wouldn't even say hello to me because I had long hair and that dog in the freaking That's why I love him so much. Fucking assholes. That bad. That bad. No, I was love Brett. Like, and he's like, yeah, we got a singer. His name's Zoltan. And Joe's like, huh? Z what is he, a magician? He's like, no, he's got long hair. And Joe's like, you got to cut his fucking hair off. So I, I had to get my hair cut off. And the first tour, I got short hair, but I still have the goatee. And uh, we did, we opened for Slapshot. 
We did like 58 shows in 62 days. There was a day, 19 days in a row we didn't shower. It was in one of those beat the street buses, but Slapshot was pulling a thousand people a night. And we said, listen, let's fucking beat these guys every night in merch. Let's fucking, oh, like while they're, while they're on stage, let's beat, like, let's work out. Like, like, let's fuck with them. Let's take our shirts off because they hated it. And they were Boston hardcore, right? Yeah. And, um, and I just had to run in with Choke again. And he's still as grumpy as always. And, um, and so we fucking kicked their ass every night, every night. And we beat them on merch every night. And the next tour we got, we headlined. It was because of Slapshot. And I remember there was a, there was a lineup. It was like Slapshot, Ignite, The Offspring, and I think No Doubt or something like that. Crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. It was yeah. And so that's how we got our chance, you know, and we, and we took it, we ran with it. And right, right, right when we were, that's where we were young. We fucking worked hard. We made an album after an album. But the cool thing about back then and what's really missing now. And the reason why we're family friends is because there was no internet. Okay. Yeah. And we had to sit backstage in the shithole, not even a club, some place where they made this mosh, this, this mush, Pasta that was overcooked. Punk rock soup. Yeah, fuck it. And we would be bored out of our minds and we had to talk to one another. And yes. then all of a sudden, Toby from HCO shows up and he's doing stuff that, you know, we're surfers, right? And you guys are fucking animals, like full on <laughs> fucking wild beasts. And it was just fucking, and we became friends and we talked. And I remember the minute internet came in, all of a sudden, you go backstage, it's just this. Yeah. And I never got to meet any of the new bands. We never got to fucking hang. We never got to become friends. And, I, and, I, and that's the sad thing that internet came in and now everyone's fucking texting and they would text each other and it drove me nuts. Like yeah. motherfuckers talk to one another. Yeah, and that's when everything started kind of ruining because it wasn't a unit. It wasn't a fucking, you know, it, it, it became very segregated and, and then it, it just kind People of dissipated. To, to mingle with each other. That's where you learn where you end up liking people because I didn't like you in the beginning. You know, a lot of people don't you like you. You still don't. You know, a I lot of people you. don't like me. Yeah. I, I, get in line. Get in line, dude. I'm fucking one of the most hated dude. I don't even know why. I'm a nice I guy. It. I love it. Maybe because the mustache it looks like it's getting smaller and smaller more to the front. <laughs> They're giving some, some other people flashback. But you're in Ignite, which Ignite ends up fucking killing it. The one record you... but. Again, one of those bands that what I loved about Ignite, like kind of a thing from, you know, working hard, being consistent, where we still have, um, 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 we had, um, what do you call it, success records, a couple records down the line, which is hard to do for a lot of bands. Usually it goes down. And, but we were bands that kept up to date with stuff. And we both, both our bands, especially with Europe, which is our second home for both of us, you know, we definitely, um, it helped us, uh, um, um, what do you call it, um, uh, maintain and stay sharp our, our, our sword sh sharp but ignite breaks up or whatever happens everybody disses you everybody leaves you or whatever the story is i like my version that, that, <laughs> that you're, you're in the airport with your little bag your satchel with the little polka dot sat and nobody shows up but but all right ignite is a what the what's the band? What was um pennywise right after that or oh, the misfits was first misfits and then all of a sudden i got a chance to do this musical for the who called quadrophenia <coughs> so i'm in well, Ignite I and misfits cats. somebody told me it was cats but okay it was cats i was the calico <laughs> i was i was i was i was mr pickles very right. very sassy so, 
did a play right after before the Misfits. So what was the thing after Ignite? What, what, okay, what? so the guy comes to me and goes, I got a musical. I said, go fuck yourself. I'm not doing a fucking musical. What am I in fucking Disney? Disney? I'm singing the fucking Misfits. I'm going to do a musical. It's like for the who? I'm like, I don't give a shit. And then I go, you go to the tryouts and it's the tryouts for all, the, you know, the dancers and all the... And then they, they give me the taste. So what I'm going to make? I'm like, shit, this is, this is not, this could work. So I can idiot. I'm doing misfits flying back to do these shows for the who, because uh, Peter, Pete Townsend and, 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 uh, and this, the singer uh, were suing each other at the time, but they were both in the, in the, in the audience, every show sold out, dude. It was, if you want to fucking make some money and have an easy life, do like real musicals. They're like, oh my God, we have to do two shows today. I'm like, oh, like, <laughs> yeah, three shows in a row sometimes. I got to sing four songs. Oh, shit. And I'm getting like, you know, at that time, like 3,000 a show. Like, go fuck yourself. Amazing. So it was super easy. And then I'm fine back to do Ignite and doing the Misfits stuff. It was it was too much. And that's why I kind of all of it kind of fell apart at that All right. Time. So you would, when you were doing the Misfits, you were still doing Ignite also? Yeah, dude. I, I was, uh, yeah, yeah, because I, I didn't want, we just came out with a brand new album. And I didn't know. I, I always felt like it was after Ignite. No. You, know, you, you know, like you left it for a minute or it, it broke up for a minute. Well, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense because it wasn't that really... You know, we got a brand new album out. These guys got to run. Nobody's going to be able to sing like me on, in a split second. You know, right now they're looking for a new guy. And I hope they find a fucking spot on singer and I hope they get some metal guy that's a really good singer, right? And I hope they can nail it. And um, at that time, I'm like, fuck, I don't want to bail on these dudes. Here's a chance to sing for the Misfits, bro. And that's like a different, whole different thing. They're pulling in at that time $30,000 a night in merch. We would have 1,500 people fucking, I mean, it was insane. I'm the singer and I'm working out every day. I was huge. I was 210 pounds of solid muscle. I had, you know, devil lock. And I, people were like, dude, you're, you suck because you're fucking lip syncing. I'm like, you think these fucking guys can play the lick, uh, click track? No, I'm singing. I studied Danzig. I was fucking mean on stage like he was. I tried to be Danzig because yeah. that's what these people want to see. Yeah. That's a, you know, Michael Gray shit. I, let me and ask so, you. No, but when they, did they, how did you get that gig? Did they, did you, did you try out for it? Did they specifically? No. They came Ignite out to how, how they came up. Ignite open for the Misfits. We got a Misfits tour. We got we we're signed. We're getting signed to a major label at that time called TVT Records. I'm working in Beverly Hills as a waiter. The the label comes out to have us look over the contract. They come to my restaurant, and while I'm serving them their bolognese and their salads, I sign the contract. That's amazing. Um, I'm a waiter. Yeah, dude. It was called Piazza Rodale. It's right on Beverly Hills. And on 90210, there's a, a quick picture of it. It's very famous. There's a really good uh, vegan bolognese there. Anyway, so we go on tour. And our first tour is opening for the Misfits. Because now we have a booking agent. We have a fucking major label and all this stuff. And Michael Graves didn't want a fucking sound check. And I'm like, dude, I know every single fucking song. Plus, I can do it good. So I went up there and, and sound checked every day with those guys. Because they were uh -huh. like my dudes. They were like, we work out. We eat like fucking men. They had... They were the nicest, to this day, the nicest band you'll ever meet. They would give all, the opening bands all their food. They would always help everybody. If you know Jerry, you ever meet Jerry? He's the nicest yeah. guy you've ever met. And he's a giver. He just gives, 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 yeah. bro. We had an opening band with us when we were touring um, Guy Smiley. And they weren't getting any love at all from the promoters. And Jerry would just unload his, our backstage room into their, tour, into their bus. So they, he's just that kind of guy. So we became super good friends. And I get a call two weeks after the tour's over. Hey, Zoli, uh, Mike's not going to do this. You come, come. And I flew back. And I learned like, I, I think I learned 25 songs and 
in two weeks. But my problem is my, my, my brain's not that good. And I got really bad ADHD. And so I put all the lyrics on the fucking stage and Doyle would go like this with his feet and ru- scratch up all my li- and fucking tear up all my lyrics. I didn't know my lyrics. So people were like, oh, Zoe doesn't know his lyrics. But I don't, I didn't, of course, they're really hard to understand about, you know, Dan's is fucking awesome, but he's a little, and, I, you know, it was I, hard to learn those lyrics after what well, all of them, every single one of them, because we would yeah, do a, I, we do a set with 25, 27 songs. Yeah, I love the Misfits too. Like, it's I, I grew awesome. up with my brother was a big fan. That's why when I was like, you, I couldn't, you know, to be honest, you, I don't even think I've ever, I gotta, I'm gonna fucking YouTube some of that shit. I don't think I ever heard you with them. And I always, when I found out that, I was like, how the fuck is Zoli gonna sound like you? I was picturing Ignite singing to the Misfits songs. I said, "How is that gonna work?" And you, I never you, put it together. Like you know, when you're at work, you know, I'm talking. You open up your throat, Hoya, and you go, "I got something to say." You know, you just put that Ugh! that yeah. kind of thing, and 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 it worked really good. And then the way they would mix it, and people thought I was uh, lip syncing to Danzig because I really studied him. Every day yeah. I'd st- I would sit there and study, study, study because it was such a big opportunity to sing for them. It's fucking one of the wow. best times musically in my life. How long was the, the Misfits stint? Which you, how long about did you year. About a year. Uh, about a year. Because I kept flying back. You know, I wasn't, they like, dude, we need you to stay. And I kept flying back. And, you know, in retrospect, I should have just stayed with them and just and just did albums with them and, you know, moved to these coasts and the whole thing. But, you know. <laughs> and keep that bank account fucking so, chubby. So we, we, yeah, dude. It was, it was, it was, fuck, dude, it was crazy. And we would pull up before we get into the big city. We're playing this fucking big stadium, right? Or whatever. And we'd stop at the truck stop before I go, Jerry, why, why are we always at the truck stop? Why are we going in the city and go party and have fun? He's like, dude, you don't understand, Zoli. We don't do that. And I just bugged the shit out of him. He goes, okay, Zoli, you'll see. He goes, on Halloween, we're going to play at, um, at uh, House of Blues. And everyone can drink that night. And all the crew's like, really? And that night, like four people got thrown in jail. We couldn't find Doyle. Yeah. The next day we, and he's like, see, dickhead, that's why we don't fucking party. Because these oh, people yeah. are animals. And, and, you know, and we, I got after that. Even Madball, we learned that the hard way. You know, it took a bunch of years. But that's why some people, they bug out on us because they're like, you know, we were wild back then when you toured with us. But, you know, the last bunch of years, we don't, we're, we're old men. We're very laid back. Nobody's wilding now. Every, you know, Freddie drinks his little beer and, you know, and that it's nothing like when people wonder why. And it's like, are you crazy? You can't hang meat in front of lions and not expect us to eat. You know what I mean? It's like, so just we're better off doing that because nothing gets done. You know, yeah. we, especially it's our when once we had kids, we couldn't fucking shit what we ate. You know, we learned the hard way, you know, and it, and it, it gave us longevity. All that rock and roll fantasy shit. No. That shit don't last, and that shit ruins no. the shit in the long run. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you got you know, it's hard for people to go to a concert. There's so many fucking concerts, right? And so you're gonna be drunk on stage and play a yeah. shitty show. Yeah, just, and I've done that. And the next time we come back to the city, it's not that many people because they're, yep. you, you're as good as your last concert. Yep. And your job as a singer is to make sure you give them energy, not take energy from them. Yeah. And that hour and a half that they're with you, they leave feeling better than when they got there because for two tickets. Maybe have somebody watch the kids, a t-shirt, a couple of, it's a hundred euros. Yeah, yeah. No. Marks that no. time, whatever, right? And that ain't fucking hard. It's hard to put away a hundred euros. Absolutely. And I'm going to go and see the fucking scenery night drunk like a dick. 
like it's not my job my job is to do the best i can and 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 i've played a lot of shows drunk and i thought it was great and everyone's like dude you sucked i've seen a bunch of those yeah (laughs) i I experienced a bunch of all right (laughs) the misfits one year what's that so um, um pennywise is right after that then right no, uh, we stopped doing Ignite. They did, they did some other band, um, Nations of Fire. Yeah, we, we, we would always butt heads. I don't know if it was my fault or it was their fault. Of course, I blame your them. Your fault. It's your fault. <laughs> I, I can almost tell you it was your fault, but okay. There's a line of people that don't like me, probably those guys in the very front. And yeah. um, and uh, so uh, I am moving to Europe. I'm living in Hungary. I'm going to do my own rock and roll radio show called Zoli Teglis's Radio Hour. I have a cell phone that works on this weird thing called Wi-Fi. Just came in. This is dating myself. Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. And I accidentally tried to call this girl in Australia <clears throat> who showed me around when I was in Australia. And her name is Fiona. And I call. She's like, hello. I'm like, oh, on this phone. I'm like, oh, hey, Fletcher Zoli. It's like, where the fuck you been? I'm like, uh, I'm in Europe, man. What's going on? It's like, we've been looking everywhere for Jim quit the band and we need a singer. Get home. I'm like, dude, I just moved here. I'm setting up my life. He's like, get home, get back. It's like, fly back. I try out and it's a fucking insane nightmare from the minute I get the, into this band to the minute. The only way to go out is to fucking out of a stretcher and, 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 and medevac to a fucking hospital. That's how you get out of Pennywise. It's like yeah, you get jumped in. I, I was there when you got medevaced out. We came back to that part of the story where you fucking were, got yourself, you know, you almost thought you were paralyzed or whatever. But <laughs> yeah. how long were you in the pen, Pennywise for? Four years or something? Four, Listen, four that years. means it wasn't that bad. You had fun in that oh. four years. No, no, great. Uh, uh, Fletcher Fletcher should be a, a, a prison gang leader. I think yeah. the only the only thing different he could do in life is be a prison gang leader. And the guy is, is one of the most punk rock people you ever meet. And the punk rock world is so different than the hardcore world where it's just insane. And Fletcher would, uh, you know, you, you, you pull a singer out, a guy like Jim, that's as difficult as I am or more. And all of a sudden you put a new guy in that fucking mix, right? And everyone starts fucking fighting for who's the boss. But I have to represent the band. And Fletcher was just like, there's pictures of me like this on stage. And he's like, you fucking, you're fucking terrible. Screaming. I love it. I remember. And, 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 And I don't like to get picked on too much, right? And there were times where, you know, I remember one time we're in England and he's screaming at me again and he takes his beer and spits it in my face. And he's too big to fight. He's too big. You can't hurt. You can't. It's a bear. So oh, I man. see him turn and he's walking towards this little tall stage. Right. And he's walking and I fucking push him off stage and he flies off the stage into the darkness, hits the soundboard. Bang, bang, bang. I jump off the stage and I run down the street <laughs> in London. There's another time he's fucking screaming at me, screaming. So I, I go, you know what? Fuck this guy. And I, in all my power, oh, and I felt in my shoulder. He goes, I go, oh, shit. <laughs> this is a guy, his fingers aren't too clean, right? This is a guy who finds stuff in his belly button that are the size of fucking like, you know, bread boxes. <laughs> and he puts his fingers in my mouth and starts ripping my face in half. Dude. I remember you told me that. <laughs> Dude, I love it. Every night, bro, where you know it was called. You would wake up, and I had double locks. After a while, my on my back, my my powder room. I had a room back there, with the, and I had two locks on it Your because of him. Room. Because he never slept, and and he would do the he would do Fletcher's uh, um, 
what was it called? Fletcher's uh, uh, barbershop. And you go to take a piss and you fucking grab it, shit, shave your head. So everyone had holes <laughs> all over their heads. Yeah. He's fucked up. Yeah. Um, a big shout out to the Pennywise guys and Fletcher. Yeah. Those no. guys reached out to me when my mom's passed, not on no internet shit, not in front of me. He got in touch with me and he touched base on some really cool shit and, and really class, classy shit. So I always got going to have mad love for the Pennywise and Fletcher too. You know, um, just came about it really classy. And plus, I love the fact that he would like try to rip your mouth open and all that shit. But the story was, that I loved the most was, if you, I don't know if it's allowed to, to be told or if you want to tell it with, with, with the elephant. <laughs> so Pennywise is a this band is that is punk rock. Yes. Fletcher really is epitome of punk rock. It, and you're right. Fletcher is, Fletcher is hands down gets yeah. that shit. Yeah, he's really, really fucking nuts, and he's he's awesome. And it was one of the funnest times of my life. And there, those guys, if there's a problem, they come to the aid of anybody, and they're fucking gentlemen. Classy. If there's a woman on the bus, classy. they're fucking classy. They're yeah. classy. They're family members. But but when 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 the bus is driving, it's just us. Then it's it's time to fucking hurt somebody, right? And so, anytime we played with the Bronx, Fletcher would flip out. I don't know why because the Bronx was so energetic and they're such a great band and he would get crazy. And we were playing with the, but the Bronx is on. And I remember I walk in and I'm in the line for food and this uh, cantaloupe comes out of nowhere. goes, boom, hits me in the head and fucking knocks me out. <laughs> and look back and it's Fletcher. So I grab a fucking uh, a watermelon and fucking chuck it at him. And we go get in a fight and I had, it's cold. We're playing the Serengeti festival. And, uh, and, and I don't know why we got in a fight. And um, he bit me through my snowboard jacket. I had a snowboard jacket, a hoodie, T-shirt, and, a, uh, and a, 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 an undershirt. And he bit me and he broke the skin on my back and had a giant fucking shark bite in the middle of my back from him biting me through my clothes. I love he, was, it. he was like a fucking wild animal. He goes, let's go, Zoli. Let's go. And I'm like, what? He's like, I want to. <laughs> he goes, I want to see the lions. I want to see the lions. And, uh, and he goes, come on. And so I follow him and he rips open this chain link fence. And I'm not kidding, dude. It's like the thinner chain link fence that are wrapped in um, wrapped in uh, rubber and and rips it open. And I'm like, fuck, this guy is fucking strong. Like he is fucking strong. And somehow he I can't really talk about it much. But if you ever see Fletch, you gotta ask about it. somehow at the end of this, an elephant <laughs> beat the fucking shit out of him, almost killed me. And and, uh, and, uh, and 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 he broke all his ribs. He broke his elbow almost, lacerated him. He had a tusk, a tusk <laughs> bruise like this. Yeah, and the fucking next day, we have the pay payoff show, right? The show that's going to make money for this whole tour, right? And I was in the hospital. I said, we, we have to take this guy to the hospital. He's like, who are you? I'm like, I'm his doctor, whatever. I'm his brother. I'm his dad. Yeah. Get him the fight. So you sign him out of the hospital. He wakes up the next day and he's broken, man. I mean, he got he got mauled by an elephant and he got thrown across the room and hit the wall. This is a big dude and came down on one of those metal uh, uh, water heater heaters and broke all of his ribs, uh, uh, broke his elbow in half, lacerations, deep lacerations. So we took tape and we taped him up because fuck you, we gotta get paid for this fucking tour. If we don't play the show, we can't get paid. It's your fucking stupid Taped the fucking tape in his. And he walked out on stage and it's playing the fucking 
head sack. And there was a couple of times he had to stop. And I would do these acapellas with the crowd. It's one of the best shows we ever played. Yeah. Uh, the lights went out. Electricity came. It was fucking cursed from the get-go. Yeah. But, um, yeah, if you ever see him, any listeners, ask him about what happened with the elephants. Yeah. And he said, they're my people. They're big bone like me. They're not those sissy boys like you, Zoli. Yeah. Was always the How sissy many boy. people fucking have a, a confrontation with an elephant and survive? That's number one. That's like a, right, that's like the guy in Nigeria who you, they, at 12 years old, they throw you out and you got to come back with a lion and kill him with a spear. He did some like real Zulu shit right there. The video is the Blair Witch Project. It's the Blair oh. Witch Project. It's like, there's, there's a light. There's a light that's on him. But at the end, when the elephants came to kill us, because they were going to kill us because mom was like, had enough of it. I felt their breath and they were trying to get at me and I was at the corner and he's like, help me. I'm like, fuck you, dude. We're going to die. And the elephant is <laughs> trying to get a piece yeah. of me to pull me in and kill me next. And then we left him there. And then dude, the guy can talk himself out of anything. We're, one time we're on our way to he can talk himself out of anything. One time we're on our way up Santa Barbara. And he talked his way. The cops came with helicopters that night and talked his way out of it, trying to blame it on me and all this crazy shit. And he got out of there. He got out of there. I like him even more for trying to blame you. Yeah, he's getting We're on the way up to Santa Barbara to do acoustic show. He has this crazy souped up uh, uh, like station wagon. Forget the kind of it. It's super fast. We stop at some gas station. It's me and his buddy. He lights off like 10 smoke bombs in the, in the car and locks the windows and doors. I can't get out and I can't breathe and I'm dying in the car and it, you can't see. And he's going down up, up the 101 freeway and the car swerving and I'm trying to get out. And he, every time I try to open the door, he hits the, and, and so people see this car full of smoke with the doors open up and a dude trying to crawl out. Right. And one time I'm almost out, I'm trying to get up on top of it going hundred miles per hour. And he pulls me in and we get pulled over by two cops. He doesn't have his driver's license on him. There's like all kinds of shit paraphernalia on the car. And I said, sir, I'm being taken out of my will. And they, I go, sir, they're, they're, they're trying to fucking steal me. And they go, oh, Fletcher from Pennywise. Dude, we love you ah, fucking man. Ah. And I'm like, you don't understand. They're like, dude, shut up. And they're talking to Fletcher, and he talks his way out of it. I'm like, I'm begging these guys to save my life. That this dude <laughs> yeah. is trying to kill me. And they're like, dude, it's Fletcher from Pennywise. And that's he's how it's a, always been. He talks his way out of everything. He's a modern day woolly mammoth. That's what he is. He's so fucking smart, but in like streets, streetwise smart. It's crazy. Amazing. Yeah, it was Amazing. a fun time. And we, and yeah, we wrote that, a good album. But, you know, like he, he'd be like, sing it the way I want to sing it. And I'd be in the studio and I'd lock the door and, he, and he's like, I'm going to break these fucking knobs, Cameron. And the camera's like, get the fuck out of here. We're screaming and yelling. And then he couldn't figure, he, I'm just going to sing like I want to sing. Fucking stop telling me how to sing. So he starts lighting shit. And putting it under the door to smoke me out of the fucking vocal booth ah! and try to light the vocal booth on fire. And then we'd be at each other's throats and be like, what are we having for lunch? Well, let's go get sushi or something. And then we'd just be like, and then we'd yeah. back at it. Pennywise is my new favorite band right now. You Dude, it, it, was, my... it was nuts. You had to pay your cable bill. Four years with Pennywise, right? Something like that, I think four years, yeah. No, that's that's on your side. <laughs> you did four years with them, and then all right, but before that happened, all right, right after the Pennywise shit, is that when um um Ignite had another another uh, a last run? The last run was after the Pennywise stuff, correct? Yeah, then we did. We an, ran uh, into you, right? 
Well, I, I, I look, they have families to feed and I was scared, Hoya. You know, when you go paralyzed and you really go paralyzed and, yeah. and, and, and you get it back, you don't want to be back on the road. And I remember waking up out of my surgery and him screaming at the doctor, he's fine, he's fine, we're gonna take, he took me out of the hospital, I'm gonna take him out of the hospital. And the doctor's like, dude, the guy can't move. He's like, fuck it, we'll just, we'll tape him up and we'll bring him out on stage. Cause we had some big shows coming up. We just had an album come out. It's the first time we're like, we're number one on radio stations all over the world, like in Australia. We had this whole, we had two years lined up of big fucking festivals, right? Finally, the payoff comes with the album we write is good. And now I have people accept me and now here I am laid up in bed. And, um. And I was so scared not to, to hurt, injure myself again, because I would jump off stages during Fuck Authority. I'm the new singer. I have to overdo it and prove that I can do it and all this stuff. And I couldn't, I knew I couldn't put it on a show. And I, I, I'm like, guys, I, I can't do it for a year. I got to heal up. This is not like I broke my leg. This is like, yeah. I couldn't, I can't feel my legs, dude. This, I yeah. can't feel my, you know, you can't feel your balls. You know what I'm saying? And so you're like, I got to stay home for a year and heal heal my core and get, get ready. And they, they had to bring Jim back because um, that's really how, what happened. Cause yeah. I was like, dude, I can't do this. Yeah. And they had, they, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta pay. We all have families. We gotta pay our bills. And then I think what I was, was I was put into their lives as a guy to keep that band kind of going. So it was time for it to, it was yeah. Time, yeah, it was time for, for, for Jim to come back yeah. and to, um and to, and to do an album, you know, and, and, and I, I was this person that, that gave it a different kind of energy. And so when my, I got healed up, I said, you know, I got to make some money now too. And I, and let's, and I, let's get and talk to the night guys and let's all work it out. And we worked it out. And um, it's not the money. Cause there's no money in hardcore. It's not the yeah. money. It's like, that's all I know how to do. Yeah. I, I'm a very, like a great white shark is a very specialized species. If you go up uh, five degrees or down five degrees in, in water uh, temperature, it'll die. And I'm very special. There's two things I'm, I'm good at. One, I can sing good. And the other one, I can rescue pelicans. And that's it. That's it. Good pelican I'm, shit. That, that's I can't it. even make pizzas, dude. There's nothing else for me to do but to sing in bands. And hey. so I'm like, let's get back together because I'm going to starve to death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. I remember. And I was glad we caught up with you guys a couple spots in Europe. We had some shit. And then but I already felt that, the the you know, the, the, the next move for both you guys, all you guys was coming along. I could feel it in the band and fucking um, the new band. Let me know. Let everybody know what's up. What's the deal with the new band? The name of the new band? What's the whole thing with like, what are you trying to do? You know, we talked about it a little bit on the phone a while ago, but um. You, you got momentum with it. You know, you guys dropping some new shit. What, what, what was the whole thought with this band? What you wanted to do with this band? What was the whole, you know, your whole concept of the way you saw this band, you know, sounding like? And Well, if you like Ignite, Pennywise, you're not going to like this band. This band is, uh, this band is cock rock. This band is, um, look, I always had John Bonzoli stuff. As I played to you, serenaded you like a man to another man. I already um, mentioned that's fucking hard, dude. Um, I wrote all these songs and I'm like, fuck it. You know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm getting up in, in, in age and I want to put out a fucking rock album. You know, I don't want to sing a, a, a very, very famous musician. So what do you sing about, Zoli? I said, I sing about World War II and I sing about fucking death of my family. And I sing about all this shit. And she's like, you know, but he goes, we sang about love. Write some music about fun times. And so I wrote an album 
that was like an ode to Budapest, like on the on the vibe of of uh, of Bohemian Rhapsody. I wrote songs like you know uh, on a vibe. I always had some in the back of my head, like Alison Chain, little Iron Maiden, a little John mm -hmm. Denver, a little George Michael's mixed in there. Not thinking, what, what, George, George, yes. <laughs> And not thinking, well, I'm going to write an album for anybody. I'm writing for myself, right? Yeah. And um, and then I put it out, and it got picked up. It's crazy. I didn't, I didn't think. And uh, and, and Billy Bio, one of the nicest guys in the whole world. Big shout out to Billy Bio. Yeah, he definitely. showed it to his record labels. Record labels like, let's sign these guys. And um, the labels like Zoli, you're so easy to work with. You just say yes. I go, dude, I'm 50 years old. You gave me a worldwide record deal at 50 years old. What do you think yeah. I'm going to say? No. Yeah. I'm going to say no to anything you want. You want me to what Cabo boots and fucking you know tassels on me? It's okay, you know. Yeah. No. But the music is interesting because I hope a lot of people like it. I hope it, it's a soundtrack to a lot of people's lives, and I hope I can be that soccer mom's new favorite band that she's excited about, or that plumber in New Jersey that's never even heard of hardcore that's going through a hard time and coming home, and you know, but he puts on this song and it's seven minutes long with three guitar solos in it. And he's like fucking loses his shit over it because it reminds him of Journey or all yeah. that other stuff that I grew up with, right? Just like Ignite, I wrote songs that I wanted to hear. I haven't heard classic rock on the radio in a long time of a new band. And so that's what I just tried to write is stuff I wanted to hear if I was a, you know, construction worker coming home and living in Florida or something yeah. that wants to fucking rock out to some guitar solos and some triple vocals. Right. Yeah. And that's what I did. And I hope this thing works out really good. If it doesn't, I listen to this album every fucking day. Hoya. I've never done it any of my music. I love this album. I wrote it for me. And I yeah. think that's why I got signed because I wasn't trying to be anybody. Right. Yeah. I just wrote this album, man. You posted like a song up a while ago and it was dope. I, I, I think I, I think I even posted it that I heard it because it caught me off. Not that it caught me off guard. I said, I know you're, you're, you know, you're a musician. I said, and he, and he, we all, we know how things work. Once we're in the game this long, we can't put out something that's whack. Even if it's not our taste in music, it got to be quality. But you had a really dope track you had blasted. And, I, and that was a really cool track. But I, I didn't know where how to describe it and where it would go from there because I only heard the one track. So, I, But I know it was um like uh, on a rockish, you know, uh, uh, with a little... Uh, it still had the metal, but in a different way. It wasn't like thrash metal. You know what I mean? Just, I like Scorpions, dude. Yeah. I like Journey. You know, as as I love punk rock, right? But yeah. as, a, as, as you mellow out in life, I love really good musicians. We went on tour with Slash and his band. And I watched Slash play every night. I was like, I guess, like when I was in Pennywise. I watched, you know, Iron Maiden play. I'm like, wow, yeah. dude. I just, the guys I got in this band are fucking top-notch musicians. We're really we're friends and we wrote an album to write an album. So it's like um, a lot of people, a lot of people hate it from my, but I didn't write it for anyone. I wrote it for, yeah. I wrote it for me. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, if, if you don't like it, you don't have to listen to it. That's cool. You know what I mean? They, like, well, what do you say when people call you like Nickelback? I'm like, well, I don't like Nickelback and I'll listen to Nickelback and, but fucking good for them. Like yeah, good for everybody, good for anybody who does well in music. Like fucking relax. Like good for yeah. Celine Dion. Like if you, I hear Celine Dion, the fillings in my teeth hurt, dude. My butt gets tight when I hear that. I hate it. 
but yeah. good for her. Fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you guys did Hazen Street, it was one of my favorite bands. And I listened to Hazen Street last week because I found a CD in my car and listened to it. That's some good shit. Yeah, it was cool. Again, when you, you guys know do the rap stuff, it's good stuff. Yeah, it comes you know, from the heart. Us, yeah, for us coming out, you know, we all grew up with different music too. But being in Madball, which is such a pointy, you know, we we were we ex and we always will be, you know, a New York hardcore band. But that doesn't mean that we don't like other types of shit, and we wouldn't have liked to to, to spread our wings. We, when we had the opportunity to do that, we were all for it because we were like, yeah, it feels good to try something, you know, new. You know how that is. It kind of it brings life into you, you know, and it makes you appreciate your other shit also, you know, like all the, the you know, all the branches of your own tree. You know what I mean? You know, you, I, I got this hardcore shit. I got this rock shit. I got this shit. You know, it's it's another weapon in the arsenal. That's what, you know, what I learned the older I got. I was like, I wasn't letting all my my, my blades get sharp as a kid. When I got older, I said I want to sharpen all my blades, whatever you have in my head. So I'm a, I was, I'm a big fan of guys doing something out the box, especially when they come out of the hardcore world. I like seeing where, you know, because you could see their, their, their real, um, what do you call it, um, influences. Because, you know, in hardcore, you, you, you're in a small box. So it was good to see, like, exactly an angle like that. Like you said, a, a journey mixed with, a, you know, a hair metal mix. You know, Hazen Street had... Uh, you know, a, a popish punk with a little hardcore and a little skate or a little whatever. You know, you start seeing a little bit influence hip hop. You know, I, I love that shit. And with this, you just did a, you did an album. The album is out. What's the the name of the Comes album? Comes out to 27th of November. Uh, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you'd probably hate it, but maybe your mom or your aunt might like it. No, and, the shit and, is dope, but I don't say and, that. And listen, would... I'm, I'm going for an older crowd. I'm going for a crowd that that wants to hear... The Scorpions, you know what I mean? Yeah. If I can get to the Scorpions, if I can get their fan base, fucking that'd be great. Because Dude, I, I want fan base. And so it's like, you know, it doesn't take away from what you've done. Anything you do, you should, if you do it well and from the heart, it's not going to take away from anything you've done in the past, unless you're lying about it. And I'm not lying about this album. I wrote, I wrote it's like love songs and shit, you know what I mean? It's like stuff that I, I don't want to sing, a, because after every Ignite show, I would have this... I would have this uh, hangover, emotional hangover, because I'm reliving all yeah. these things. I World War II, my uncle fighting in the front lines, my grandmother died, and relive them on stage. Because if you're a real singer, you have yeah. to relive everything. And then I would see in people, I would give this, and then we would play this other stuff that I'm doing now, and people just partying, and they're just yeah. they're a totally different genre of people, a different crowd. And I'm like, fuck, man, I want to start bringing this in because I think out there in the world, there's enough negativity now. Yeah, I want to write about love, bro. And um, yeah. yeah, so, you know, it, it's really easy. If you don't like it, you know, you just don't listen to it. It's fine. No, but the one song I heard was really dope. I, I, again, I was like, I was I was really not so, that I was surprised, but I was like, oh, shit, this shit is dope because you would make it sound like something that people wouldn't. A lot of people might not like when no, the, the, the 18 year old kid who wants to, you know, stage dive in mosh pit ain't going to like it. But then the, there's still some of those kids that do like that shit. I learned that the older I got. Not as if you're doing things for people to like, you're in the wrong fucking world. And you're exactly. Doing it wrong. And, and I believe in this. When you do some shit from your heart, people can see through it. You can tell when it's fake or when it's not. If you like it or not, you can tell when people really live in the shit. You know what I mean? That's and just and the, the rock label I'm on, they're called AFM Records. I've never been on such a supportive label in my life. These guys are fucking, let's do this, let's do this. And I'm like this slow wheel in the whole thing because they want to do a lot of social media. 
and social media, you're good at that stuff, but I'm fucking bad at that shit, man. I, I, that's not my world. And it's hard, you know, it's hard to do these social media posts, but they want social media all the time. They push, 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 interview, interview. They have us on all these tours next year that aren't going to happen because of COVID, but they still got on them. And I'm, and I'm so blessed at my age to be a yeah. new band that a label is putting so much force and push into so much money into these yeah. guys have been like a fucking blessing like zoli if you came in to us with this band 20 years ago we'd be fucking yeah. big band by now because they really believe in the album and it's like i i wanted to put this album out 20 years ago but i was scared to because at that time i didn't have this self-conscious and that i was self i was insecure and what if somebody doesn't like it and yeah. if I had to put that album out then, they would have said they would have signed it back then 20 years ago and it'd been a yeah. different fucking story. And it's yeah, just I, interesting. I gotta, you know, you just gotta you gotta go for it, is what it, it is. I agree. Fuck you it. know, and we learned that with age too, you know what I mean? And also we were in bands that were, you know, that that's that's how we survived. So you can't it's hard to fuck with something that you're surviving off of and try to do it for something you gotta let, you know, for your your, your inner soul and paying the bills sometimes don't meet in the middle, you know, and it's hard to do that. If you want to make money in music, then become a dentist. Yeah. Don't go to Vegas, think you're going to win. They keep the lights on by people losing. Don't yes. become a musician if you want to get famous or you want to get rich. It's not going to happen. It's true. You know what I mean? So just don't do that. But that's all I know is music. And I put this album out because I focused, I went to Europe, I went to Hungary for like two months and recorded in my grandmother's house with these fucking amazing musicians. And I left that house for two days and two months because all I did was focus on this album and yeah. I fucking love it. And that's what I care about. I love this album. It doesn't negate anything I've done in the past. It's totally different. And yeah. I love it. It's like I wrote it, I, I painted a different picture and I'm fucking stoked about it. The I'm name of the band, the name of the band, the name of the album and, 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 um, when does the record drop? The name of the and band is called Ocean Hills because I live close to the ocean and the guys in, in Hungary live in the Buda Hills and another dude lives in the Hollywood Hills. And Hoya, if you want to start a band, there's no names out there. We had yeah, like 15 other names, right? But it's so, so it's like, you think the band Smashing Pumpkins? If I came to you go, Hoya, let's start a band called the Smashing Pumpkins. You're like, no, I'm in a band called Madball. Yeah. So listen, so all right, what's the name of the album? Santa Monica. San, there's no Santa Monica in Hungary, I can tell you that. No, but when we were on tour in, in the 90s, everyone I'd meet go come out to visit, and these fuckers would come out, and they would stay at my house. And you're taking people to the beach for the first time in their lives, and they're gulping down fucking water and throwing up, you know, and then you take them to the fucking desert, and it's like, you know, you take somebody on tour for the first time in Europe, they're like, oh, doing a kebab. Wow. And you're like, yeah, you know, that is cool. I love taking new people on the road because they're like, Oh my God, they're sitting there in the front of the bus and like just soaking in yeah. all the stuff you start taking for granted, you know? And that's, and that's how it was. People come to Santa, I lived off Santa Monica Boulevard in LA and it was like a fucking fraternity house. People coming and going. It was just so much fun. And I wrote that song I, I about people coming, gotcha. girls coming, visiting, you know, like, and these great two week relationships and just being young. And, 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 and that's every time I sing that song, I feel good. Yeah. You know what I mean, and so we, we did a couple tours and we'd get off stage and it was like, man, that's just fun. This is fun stuff. And I, the guitarist is so good. I would, I, one time I was singing, I was, we were in um, Germany somewhere and I'm watching him play and I love good musicians and I'm watching him play and I forget that I have to sing. And I'm just like, fuck, this dude's great. And they're like, 
I'm like, what? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm singing. And I started singing because <laughs> he's so fucking good. You know what and, I mean? I love that. No, that's the main shit, man. You're, you're in a good spot where you're doing something you want, especially with music. With music, it got to be something you want to get off for it to, to you know, you got to put your soul into it for Just it. Just be honest. Know. Yeah, be honest. exactly. And fuck it. So it's good that, you know, we're guys that got music in our bodies that's just going to always be there. So it's good that you're able to, to get something popping again. And and when does the album drop? And let me ask you, does the band have a Facebook? The band has a, a Instagram. Where, 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 where could people look this band? Because people are going to want to check it out. There's a lot of people that love your band and the bands you've been in. And they're always looking for something new, especially now. Well, have your dad or your mom or your aunt or uncle check out Ocean Hills. <laughs> it will remind them of the 1980s prom that they went to, okay? Yeah. Because that's what I wrote it for. I wrote it for an older audience. But that, still. I, no, but it's, it's called also, Ocean Hills. Also, the older audience, don't kid yourself. There's a lot of youthful people that have old souls, so don't count anybody out. Let just them like I, that. Just like, I'm, but I'm not. Just like we wrote Ignite because I, I missed the sound of the hardcore. I wrote this because I missed that sound. And everyone my age and older that hears it's like, they, they don't have time to look for a new band. People that are working two jobs don't have time to scroll yeah. through Instagram, right? Yeah. We're mostly Facebook. Yeah. Because these guys, we have an older crowd, right? 40, 50, 60. And every time I watch them listen to something, they're like, this is fucking great. He goes like, another guitar solo right after the first course. I remember this buddy of mine, he's a plumber. He goes, guitar solo after the first course? He's like, fuck, man. And, I'm, and, I, and he's not a music guy. Yeah. Right? And that's who I wrote it for. So they don't have to go find a new band. We're going to be the new band that like, fuck, dude, I've been waiting for this shit. And yeah. Because, you know what I mean? So I, I wrote like a classic rock kind of a an album because I miss that kind of music. And I fucking love it. And the label's rad. It's called Ocean Hills. November 27th, the album comes out. And I love Good. it. And and so they could, so they could find Ocean Hill on, on Facebook then? Yeah, oh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, uh, then you got Friendster and, and, and MySpace. Grindr. Um, <laughs> grinder, dude, on that one. Grindr, but that's uh, me singing songs by myself in a tour bus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> short shirt. But that's dope. I'm, I know we were talking about that shit. Like, you know, uh, I'm glad. You know, I get I get psyched with people doing um that 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 next chapter of music because I love music. So I'm always, you know, out there listening to what everybody's doing. Got in their grab bag. Are you gonna do so, uh, Hazen Street again? Are you guys gonna write another Hazen Street album? No, you know, it's hard to get together because, you know, I hate that whole word, super group, because that's a stupid word because ain't nobody, you know, super in the band. You know, there's no fucking superheroes. It ain't the, the fucking uh, wherever I'm the X-Men hangout. But um, you, you ask know your kids, I bet, I bet your kids say you're Superman. I bet your boys yeah, say no, that you're oh, Superman. No, they, they, they think and I'm think lame. He's... They call me a boomer, whatever that means. <laughs> That's my kids don't me. want me to sing. Do my kids like stop singing, Dad? I'm like, what? Like, do you, you gotta. You know your voice is bad. Like, motherfucker. I call my sons. Look, look at this festival. The hundred thousand people. They stand and look at me. Can we go now, Dad? They don't give a fuck. <laughs> but I kind of a... love that. I hate it. and I love it at the same time. But um, <laughs> what I was gonna say, um, no, we're lucky. I got another band. I told you about. I'm working on that's on some other shit, you know. And I'm gonna be dropping that too. It's True Union. It's like if ACDC broke down in Corona, Queens, my old neighborhood, and decided to record a song in my basement. It's like ACDC riffs with James Brown drums. So it got a cool vibe to it. You know, um, we're going to do a collab with you. Like I body count. You. Some body what? count shit. No, it ain't nobody. It ain't um, hardcore. It ain't um, 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 
rat is just kind of got a rock and roll with dirt, gritty. You know, you could tell there's a hardcore influence, but nothing hardcore about it. It's the show you could bring your tattooed girlfriend and she could wear a, 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 a dress to it and not worried about getting moshed on, but she could go somewhere where she don't look like a fucking degenerate. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but, um, you know, you got to keep, you know, know you music is not going to be about albums anymore. Cause they said, after we do this album, we want one offs song, lyric video, song, video. And now that you're at home, you can mix it. So if you're a musician, get to know your recording situation, your garage band, your, you know, uh, whatever, whatever recording platform you're going to use, start shooting your own videos because the yes. only way to get out after we get another, another lockdown, which is coming, it's already going on in Europe right now is to once, once one offs. So after yeah. this album, I already have the next song coming out in, in January. Yeah. And the next song comes out in February and I have a brand new song every month or every other month with the lyric video and music video because yeah. there's no other way to get to people. Singles. Singles. Exactly. Singles is the way anybody, that, that's what I'm doing with the new band also. I got about 10, 12 new tracks, but I'm recording three singles, three videos, and I want to drop them with the visual so everybody, you know, you get the full stimulation right off jump and let it, you know, just throw it out there. We got, I got no label, no management. Everything is done in-house. It's shit I want to get off also. Music that I had that I'm like, it's too dope to not put it out. So I'm going for it. So, yeah, but your your rap stuff with Freddie was great. I wish you guys would keep doing that stuff. Yeah, you know, it was cool. But, you know, that's like I rap. I did hip hop for fun because I love hip hop, but I was never a rapper. I'm, I love building a song. And then the more I would hear... You know, I would get sharper in that. I would hear how the classic songs are put together. Then I say, I want to put a song together like that. Now I got the, the tools to do it. And then I started building these songs. And, you know, I got a good grab bag of shit that I'm, I'm psyched. I think it's a, the right time, like what you're doing. It's the right time for us at the moment to do and for people to enjoy. You know, our age demographic. And it's something new without reinventing the wheel. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. But Good. fuck it, I want to fucking do something before we get out of here. A, a little, a little quick game. I'm gonna tell you a couple of words, and you tell me the first thing that pops in your head. All right, you know how this works. Or you need instructions for this. This is like when I was in the, at the at the at the shrink when I was a little kid. Yeah, exactly. It's the same shit. It's like when you call it um, um yeah, when they hold the picture. picture of, yeah, like, yeah. Of, of a coffee stain, and you say, <laughs> "Oh my God, I see John Denver." And I see boobs. I see. <laughs> I see, I see a boy, George, come up really. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give you a word. You give me the first word, the first thought that comes into your mind. Okay. All right. California. Warm. Pelicans. Smelly. <laughs> Hungary. Uh, food. <laughs> Singers. Dicks. Yeah, that's a good one. You got ding ding on that Singer's one. disease, LSD. Metal. Heavy. Coffee. Toilet. <laughs> rap music. Uh, mumble rap is dog shit. Rap music is fucking great. Is fucking garbage. And three million people already voted for Kanye, so there's a problem in America. A big problem. Okay. Stone soup. <laughs> Dinner. When, when the Hungarians and the Ecuadorians have 
Christmas dinner. Oh, Hoya, congratulations. Number two on the list of largest penises in the world, Ecuador. Number two yeah. on the list, dude. I don't know why I know that. No, but you know what? You got to also remember, Ecuadorians are in the pygmy family, so they're shorter, so it's towards their size. So it's seven point six inches is the average length, dude. You know, it's funny. We're on we're on tour. We had this new uh, merch girl, and she's like, she's like, you know, I thought you guys were gonna talk about vaginas and boobs. All you talked about was penises and crapping, taking taking <laughs> shit. I'm like, yeah, dudes are fucking idiots. What do you think we talk about? She's like, I yeah, didn't we... talk about women at all. We're talking about fucking guys, Ecuadorians. Suck. Yo, guys suck. They were dumb, dumb. Uh, COVID. I don't know, dude, like a gray fog, a question mark. Question. Punk rock. Black flag. Ignite. <laughs> that, that's enough. That, that's, that's your answer for that. Well, you know what, dude? Thank you. You know, thank you. Fuck, man. Fucking thank you, dude. I am fucking, I am blessed. I love, I love being that band. I love the fans. You kidding me, dude? They yeah. do all the songs. You, you, It would be louder sometimes than our fucking on, on stage in the vocals. I am Great so blessed. Band. Fuck. Lame singer. If you like Opercore, yeah. kind of lame. Fucking great, great, great fans. Love them. Last one. Hardcore. Van. A van. <laughs> because we would play, we got this van, and we got in it, and we went all over America, dude. And I remember the East Coast had a lot of bad breath, a lot of like, we play in my basement. And it was really very political and you had to be on these shoes and this, that. And then you would go and change the dynamic and it'd be all Latin, like gangsters. And it's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Uh, what's going on? Like, okay, this is another hardcore fucking thing. And then you go back to California. It's all like pogoing. And it's just a van, dude. You would, like it. you would, it was hardcore meant so many things to so many people that you know you could call it night hardcore and then you then you would go earth crisis was hardcore yeah and it was just it was yeah like and it was just it, it teleported us to different places in america and different people's lives and you know what i mean it was just uh cool man it's life it was life it was life it was bitching before we get out of here one memory that popped in my head which reminded me we're gonna leave everybody with this one visual Remember us outside of wetlands? We broke the gumball machine and me and you Scott, running to collect all the quarters on the floor. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> oh my, I don't know why, but I remember we would try to break this thing open and we heard change <laughs> and me and you went into overtime. And Vinny, and Vinny, and we jumped hey. like a pinata and we jumped out like, Nichols! <laughs> Nichols, yeah! It was like a fucking hardcore pinata. <laughs> so, no. Zoli, I'm yeah, glad brother. I got you on. Thank I've been you, trying man. to get your fucking un un um cultured with um technology ass on for a minute. I'm glad you figured it out. Thank you, brother. Before we get out of here, everybody check out the new bands, check out his old bands, and any before we get out of here, any movies that you're gonna be because you do movies, we didn't touch base on that. But are are you 
dropping that ugly face in any new movies coming yeah. out. Uh, I, I, so I got a, a part of this movie called, uh, a TV show called The Alienist. And um, it's on the next series. I'm not sure when it comes out because uh, I'm, I, you, you read for it and then you get to the set and they give you a totally different script with a different person. Like when I went on uh, Terminator, I got the part as a as an Air Force officer. Then they got me in as the head of the, you know what the cages are for the kids at the border? Yeah. I was like the head guy there. And you don't know what you, when you get there, what your part's going to be, right? And so um, they're putting makeup on me and um, trying to have me look better and younger. And I'm reading, I'm like, fucking Ted Levin. I'm like, Ted Levin, he's, he's my guy. I'm going to be I'm gonna be acting with him. I'm like, dude, that's the dude from Silence of the Lambs. That's that crazy, you know, it, they, it puts the lotion on the basket. So yeah. I get to sit and I see him, I go, Ted Levin. I go, holy <laughs> shit, dude, I'm a huge fan. He's like, whoa. And everyone's like, dude, what's wrong with this guy? Because I'm not an actor, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, fucking whoa, man. And he was the coolest dude. And, and I go, man, tell me about Silence of the Lambs. And I was bugging, bugging the shit out of him. And we do these scenes. And then uh, he would talk shit in between as we were supposed to talk. And then I go, what's the weirdest shit that happened to you because of science? And then he goes, this woman cut this giant piece of skin out of herself and, and, and framed it and sent it to me. Oh. Go, oh, dude. He's like, yeah, it's up in my wall at my office. <laughs> oh, my. That's fucking horrible. That, it was crazy. Was and so, so was, huh? that, was that, that movie? It's called Alienist. It's a TV show. And I was just a quick part in it. I was a, uh, I was a, I was a, what's it called? Um, a uh, 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 reporter key grip uh, but key grip yeah i was a fluffer and um and so then i got this the reason i'm doing this mustache is i got this part hopefully if it happens and this tv show where in the 1960s i'm a dad so i'm gonna shave the sides of my head and do the thing and then take pictures of it and stuff but i'm always a cop i'm always uh you know uh, uh fbi F cia guy fbi guy i did a tv show called uh tyrant and a couple of tyrants when I, my, my guy was my, my, the dude I was with was Mr. Big from Sex and the City. And then, um, that's, I got, I got a couple things coming out. I did this other thing called, uh, Spectral. And let me tell you, bro, the rectal movies, rectal, rectal. Yeah. I think I said, I seen you in that It was movie. called Shaving Ryan's Privates. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a, <laughs> so I'm still, that stopped as well. So, yeah. you know, if you need your lawn mode or, yeah, or you need do you, give you, do you, you need a jingle like you know caroling i'm gonna go do christmas caroling from quarters see, they're, they're the white man goes trying to take the latin man's job already taking the lawn jobs dude all I'm, and I'm watching like all these girls that are they're singing like black girls but it's like there's thousands of better black girl singers but you pick this white girl that sounds like a black girl it's just it's yeah not, it's not fair dude but well i'll scream i'm screaming for change i'm screaming for what change you, so what you need to get is i watched it the other day if they ever do a movie on the wrestler owen hart that's your lookalike. I used to tell you that back in the day. You don't remember. But I just saw it. He was a famous wrestler, and you look just like him. But now you look like an older version of him. So I'm working out when I used to be buff. And uh, it's this guy looks like, uh, what's his name? What's that dude's name? Um, he was from, um, he was in that wrestler movie. What was his name? Uh, Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke. He looks like Mickey Rourke if he was like this chick that had a bunch <laughs> of weird makeup on. This like man thing. And yeah. I'm like, fuck that. Dude. And so I saw work. And then, and then I hear him doing lines with somebody. I'm like, that's Mickey Rourke. And he's all buff. And his face is all crazy with all this make, like, like, like Bazooka Joe's face now. Yeah. And, uh, and that's when he was doing the wrestler. And I, I watched him do it. It's fucking crazy. Get that. Dude, yeah. acting is great. Acting is, it's super easy until it's not. And then if yeah. you get into the realm of like Leonardo DiCaprio, where you have your one scene is like 30 pages. 
and they memorize it all because I'm yeah. like this. I'm like this. Like I'm not kidding. I call them, they're called uh, crib crib notes. Crib I got note. I got the word here. I got the word here. I'm like, oh, go go get them. Uh, yes. And every time and somebody and I look at the you'll see me looking around the room to get my lines because I can't remember them. So yeah. I'm written all over the fucking room. And then you go like literally these guys can memorize this shit and fucking nail it. Like Wolf of Wall Street, you know how hard that is, dude? For sure. Hard. Not sure. That's a that's a definitely a fucking uh, an art, a skill, a fucking a craft that you know you gotta do that a lot to get good at it. Like being a front man, being a especially being a bass player, you know, because the most important part of the band we all know is the bass player. But it's the um, guy who hangs out with the musicians of the band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Let, me, let me leave it, if I may, with this story. This is how I became an actor, right? I met Hoya. He saved my life in France. I thought I had a date, but I was about to get jumped. Yes. <laughs> saved me from a death death trap. Thank you. Yes. That's I'm, putting I... like, I'm putting canoe canoe on. I'm putting fucking Old Spice, you know, some Drakkar. And you're like, where are you going, bro? And he took me around the corner. They're waiting to jump me. Yeah, basically, Zoli was like, no, come on. We, we were parked outside of a project <laughs> real quick. And some um, 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 really pretty girls invited um, Zoli to come hang out with them in the projects. And Zoli, being the nice guy that he was, was like, yeah, and I'm, I'm watching Zoli get all dolled up. And I'm like, wait, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm going to go hang out with these girls. And I go, where? In the projects? Yeah, they were no, beautiful they were really cool. French black girls. I remember yeah, that. They were was, gorgeous black girls. And I'm like, wow, then, French. And they spoke eloquent English. And I'm like, whoa, this is going to be great. We're all, And I was just going to go out to dinner with them. Like, you know, and go, go out show. to dinner with them. I was like, these are hood rats. And I'm like, I, don't, I didn't know what that is. Like, no, I'm gonna go. I'm. It's fine. Really, it's cool. It's, I'm like, yo, you ain't going nowhere. And then what happened around the block? Fucking. You take me. Like, you go. Come here. And we go around the other side of the block. You go. There's gonna be guys waiting for you because your yeah. pocket's gonna be full of money because you're taking all these girls out to dinner and you're gonna go have a good time taking the show. And it, I loved meeting new people and and especially French. The French are so elegant, you know, je t'aime mon petit chou, ma belle fleur. And, and pretty they're, they're black like, girls. Pretty oh, black I, girl. I mean, it's going to be a fun night. Yeah. And you drag me around the corner, and there's like seven dudes waiting for me and two girls. Reality check. So I'll be oh, waiting wow. for my royalty checks when you, your, your movie with the mustache comes out and your new band blows up. Zoltan. So, dude, just real quick, let me just, let's go back to this, this ending with being of service. This dude in Hungary is a fucking mess, drug addict, alcoholic, fucking loser, keeps fucking up. His mom keeps calling me. She's like, please help him, please help him. Three times he's flaked on me, calls me up. It's a Thursday night, it's raining, pouring rain. Goes, Zoli, I need you. Please meet me at this coffee house, I need you. And I'm like, dude, it's fucking raining. Come on, man, he's like, I'll be, I promise I'll be there. 8 p.m., I'll be there. It's Sunday night, it's raining. I'm already, set, I'm already in bed. I call a buddy of mine, he's like, just go. You know, just go be of service to this guy. Try to help him out. I get fucking close. I put, I go on a fucking train. I get to Budapest. I'm waiting for him. The dick doesn't show up. I'm finishing my coffee. And who's walking towards me? My agent. But at that time, I was trying to catch this lady and trying to meet this woman because she wouldn't email me back or nothing, call me back or nothing. And I go, hey, I go, aren't you that agent? She goes, aren't you that singer? I'm like, I've been looking for, she goes, I've been trying to email you back. but email doesn't work. If I wasn't there to help this guy out, I would have never been in any movies. So whenever you're asked to do something that's a pain in the ass to help someone else out, don't do it. On the way home, you're yeah. going to buy that lottery ticket. 
or I already won the lottery ticket. My kids are healthy. I already won the lottery ticket. I'm done. Yep. My kids are healthy. That's I, everything else is a plus, right? Yep. And because I was of service to this fucking guy who still to this day, I don't know what's up with him. I got into Terminator and all these other movies and started a career for myself because God always pays you back. Yes. So always fucking say yes to any, to helping people always. A fact you give it, you give into the, the universe, the universe will give it back to you. If you want to call right. it God, not feed the universe, everybody. Zoltan, I'm glad I got you on. You know, what's up. I'm going to send you this when we put it out, when we drop it, we'll talk. I'll hit you up during the week. Everybody go check out all his bands, go check out all his movies. <laughs> Feel free to hit him and th- and talk shit on him uh, on his Instagram or on his Facebook. Please remind talk shit. We need to talk shit nowadays. We got to talk shit more. Come on, please. Yes. Yes. Remind them that he owes <laughs> everything to Hoya Rock. That's right. You know, you know and um, Zoli, we'll talk soon. I love you, everybody. Love you too, bro. You know what's up? We'll talk soon and, and um, hold it down. That's Smoke right, Smoke your work and we out, everybody. Thank you. I love you, bro. Peace. Bye.